Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we get started, wanted to remind you all to subscribe, like, and follow at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social medias, including YouTube and Twitch, where fully edited vodcasts are housed with exclusive clips. Remember, the more followers we get, the more we can give back to the goalkeeping community. Let's all keep paying that knowledge forward, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from a kombucha-soaked studio here in Hollywood, California. With me, no Pro GK Academy Omar Zini, no 99 World Cup winner Suskio Weber. Uh, and one of the reasons that we're doing that, guys, is because we can only have too much pack. Too much Pac-12 if we'd had Suskia on here, who's a UCLA goalkeeper coach, and our guest panelist today. Uh, we have Stanford women's goalkeeper coach, Paul Hart, joining us. Uh, Paul, that would have been too much Pac-12. And uh, I honestly, I don't want anyone to spill any secrets by accident. So uh, I think this works out better for everybody. That's uh, great. It would be great to have Suskia here. But um, no, it's a pleasure to just have you, Mike. You know, I mean, that, that's all I need. Oh man, thanks, man. I mean, uh, I mean, that's a no one's ever said that before, but thank you. I appreciate that. People usually come on, they're like, oh man, it's just so exciting. Like, you know, I've had people come on and they're like, you know, Omar, I've been watching your social media content for years. Uh, Suskia, you know, I remember you playing, you know, and, and your red, white, and blue hair that you had in the 99 World Cup. And, and then Mike, uh, uh, it's good, it's good to meet you. And then, and then they just kind of leave it at that. I'm like, oh, okay. I see. I see where we stand. That's uh, that's that's good. Um, so Paul, maybe for some people out there who might uh, kind of be familiar with you and kind of like your journey and everything like that. Obviously, people are hearing the uh, the accent there. Uh, so as you can tell, uh, you know, just a red blooded American from the Midwest, right there, uh, that uh, that that got into the college uh, scene. Um, but in reality, um, you know, you came from the UK, right? And uh, you came over to play uh, collegiately, right? That's correct. Yeah. So um, this, I came over about 21 years ago. I think year 2000, I came over now, Mike. It's been a long time and um, landed in a place called uh, West Texas A&M. Um, so uh, played Division Two and um, had a great experience there. Um, fantastic people. And, um, you know, we did well. We had a good team and some of the players went on and did great things. And then after that, I found my way to California. And that's where I bumped into you as well, Mike, back in the day. Um, worked a little club soccer there and um, kind of worked, worked kind of all different college systems. So I worked at Santa Barbara City College in the junior college system for a while um, and then went up to UC Santa Barbara and worked up there on the men's side and then, um, and then also then transferred over to the women's side. So I was doing both as the goalkeeper coach. Um, and then I kind of took a left turn and actually became um, a sports performance uh, specialist strength and conditioning coach at UCSB for two years. Um, I wanted to try something different and uh, moved into that. Uh, great experience. But I missed the game a little bit and then um, ended up going up to uh, University of San Francisco as the associate head coach um, on the women's side solely. And then, um, and then I started bouncing around a little bit and ended up at University of Oklahoma um, University of Washington and now Stanford. So um, it's been an incredible journey. Um, and um, yeah, now I'm here. But one of the things I love, though, you know, Paul, that you bring, kind of bring up right here is that, you know, you've done a lot of different things outside of just being a goalkeeper coach. And I think we, that's something that we always try to stress to to young coaches out there, you know, especially on this show 
is that if you want to be an effective, you know, uh, educator, you need to make yourself well-rounded. You can't just focus on the X's and O's, of, you know, from goalkeeping side. You know, obviously the sports performance background is massive when it comes to being an effective goalkeeper coach and also understanding the outfield aspect of being a team coach too is also massive. Is that something that you kind of, you know, recognized early on when you were, you know, kind of pursuing these parallel paths? Yeah, I think, I think like similar to a lot of people to get into strength and conditioning or sports performance, they've had previous injuries. So I always felt like I never really maximized uh, my potential physically as a goalkeeper. I'm only, I'm only a small goalkeeper, as you know, Mike. So, um, but um, as, as you play, you know, you, you, you look back on what's available now with all the technology and, and there's so much research and science behind it that I feel like if I would have just had a little bit more of that when I was playing, it might have even maximized my game even more. Um, so, you know, when I started coaching, I was like, I, I want to kind of broaden it just, like you said, away from X's and O's and kind of uh, dive into that. And it's probably one of the most rewarding things I did. I, I was able to work with different sports, uh, basketball, uh, track and field, even swimming. So sports that wasn't even on land. Um, and it's just fascinating how every different sport um, is, is, is just so different, how you have to coach um, those different like little techniques um, and little kind of like uh, key indicators, what they're looking for. Um, but but it was it was fantastic trying to connect with the athletes and then trying to find a way to, to help them get better. So it was really rewarding. And that's helped me as a coach. Uh, I feel be be a better coach and a better person in terms of what I can give the, the athletes now. I mean, I think one, one of the things for me, you know, one of the reasons that m much like you that I got into sports performance and like, you know, not trying to be funny about it or anything like that, but I had to, I had to quote unquote, find a leg up. I had to find mm -hmm. a way to, you know, be able to put myself in the same category as maybe the bigger, stronger, faster goalkeepers out there in my, in my pool, you know? And I said, okay, well, there's gotta be a, there's gotta be some sort of way to, to do that. And, and I was very fortunate to find some great sports performance coaches that taught me mechanics and taught me, just little things about how my body moves effectively was actually going to make me because the understanding was there, but it was about being effective in the moment, and actually being able to execute the scenario. And is it something that you've kind of really stressed with a lot of your goalkeepers that might be having difficulties from an ath athletic standpoint is that, you know, a lot of times I think at the, especially in the youth level, we give up on players and we go, Oh, they're just not a good enough athlete, but why are they not a good enough athlete? Do If they have the knowledge base, can we work on that, you know, or, or is it a lost cause, you know? And I think a lot of times it, it's, it's kind of the, pre, the, is it the previous or the latter? I always forget how you say that. The, the, the first one, the one, the one about, uh, about, uh, having the knowledge. So. Yeah. It's, it's really helped a lot. I mean, um, you know, working with youth clubs as well. Um, you're a lot more patient with, 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 with goalkeepers now. Um, you know, whether it's, the younger goalkeepers where they're just developing coordination and, and balance and, and kind of just kind of finding their way um, even up to where they go through like their growth spurts. And, and now they've lost a little bit of strength and how can you just kind of accelerate, um, you know, building some core strength in them, building some lower body strength, um, some injury prevention techniques. Um, at the same time, you're still kind of now trying to, to push them and develop them and build some, build some different loads into them so they can actually move and do the, do the, do the athletic movements that we ask them to do every day um, consistently. So it's really helped kind of really kind of piece it all together and give them, give them the best possible chance 
to stay healthy, stay fit, but also kind of accelerate and 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 close the gap on those, um, you know, the, the physical side of things, but also then align it with the technical, tactical side of things. You know, what's really interesting about this, you know, before we kind of, you know, segue through and everything like that is that I've recognized a lot of people in the goalkeeping world more so. And maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I'm just biased because I am a goalkeeper myself, but seem to be very uh, involved in sports performance. Um, I've, I've met a lot of goalkeeper coaches who also have a sports performance background or even uh, work in sports performance currently and used to be goalkeeper coaches. You know, uh, I'll give, give an example, you know, Phil Marfugi, um, who used to be at UCLA, um, uh, Ben Dragovan, obviously up in uh, the Pacific Northwest, you know, um, quite, quite uh, Jesse Goldman, uh, who's the, the pit women's goalkeeper coach, you know, a lot of them. Do you think that is because it is such a, it, it is such a, for lack of a better term, like the science of the movement of the goalkeeper is so, so fascinating that it really makes us want to explore sports performance. Yeah. And I also think um, just the position of the, the only position on the field that's changed so much over the last 20 odd years is goalkeeping. So with all the rule changes and, and speeding up the game, the changes of technology with the ball, uh, you know, everything that's kind of, changing the game has affected goalkeeping um, on so many levels. So I feel like we've had to adapt more than probably most uh, in terms of having to um, find different ways to, to close the gap and what technology has done and what the rules have done to, to give our goalkeepers the best possible chance. And you just see what's happening across the world, you know, and I'm always studying myself, you know, what's happening in Germany and what the, the English FA are doing now, you know, with with St. George's and, and Tim Dittmar there and, and everything um, that's coming out of there and, and the, the sharing of knowledge. It's, it's been so beneficial because I just feel like we've had to make the, the most changes um, and be the most adaptable of the last 20 years. And I feel like there's some really smart people out there that are doing some great things. And it's really helping not just me, but everybody else out there kind of um, give our goalkeepers the best chance to be successful. So, so let's kind of get into that right now, because I think this is a great segue into the topic today, guys. And today's topic is actually coaching methodology, you know, and incorporating it into a new environment. Obviously, you know, Paul, you just recently, you know, took, took the job over at Stanford. Um, so, you know, the goalkeepers weren't necessarily as familiar with you and your methodology when you came into it. Um, obviously, sports performance is definitely part of it. But maybe for some parents out there who are like listening and they're like, oh, I have no idea what methodology means. That sounds very complicated, and I don't know how to explain that to my daughter. Um, what do we mean by coaching methodology? Uh, it's actually interesting. I looked at that one in a dictionary. I was actually going to pull it into the slide, and then I was like, maybe I shouldn't, and then um, and then maybe I should now. But um, but basically, um, you know, it's it, it's a it's a process of of creating focuses and 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 really kind of building out some framework. Um, that you can you can you can build obviously what your what your values are what your kind of philosophy is and align it with with where you're going into so you know it it it's it's something that you know you you develop over time I think through experiences uh, through gaining knowledge um, but it's something that I feel like you put your own personality and stamp on and then hopefully it aligns with with where you are and what you're doing. And, um, you know, you can integrate it and, and, and make it your own around the framework of what, what you're coming into. You know, I, I love what you just said right there, because I think you just kind of succinctly explained it in a way that was very, um, I don't want to say simplistic, but in a way that that is easily digestible for a lot of people out there. I think 
you know, and I don't know how you feel, Paul, but I think sometimes when we get into the into the world of, of educators and and everything like that is that we, for lack of a better term, we overcomplicate things or we start using coach talk, you know, um, without understanding that the whole idea of doing this is to convey information in a way that is palatable for everybody. And so if we try to overcomplicate it to show how much we know or how brilliant we are, we're going to lose a lot of, especially a lot of the younger players. Yeah. I mean, for, for me personally, part of my method, method, methodology, I've got to try and say the word, is to connect with players and connect with people. Um, and um, I think the most important thing is that we meet, meet the goalkeepers where they're at and all goalkeepers are in different places, come from different areas, different backgrounds, um, different social kind of um, situations. And I think, you know, we've got to meet them where they're at on the field as well as off the field to, to really kind of get to know them, get to know who they are as people as well as players and then kind of connect it all together so we can get the best possible kind of outcome for them, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that the number one is the number one thing right there is that the whole we're here as a vehicle to allow the players to develop and to keep improving. And I think, Oh, oh, hold on a second. We're being joined by a very special guest right here. A very special guest. I did not expect coming in. Oh my gosh, guys. It's Las Vegas Lights goalkeeper coach Omar Zini joining Paul Hart. What's up, man? We'll give him one. We'll give him one. We'll give him one second right there. Uh, threw everything off. I'll, I'll catch you up, Omar, on what you've missed so far. I've spilled a giant blueberry lavender kombucha. Uh, during uh, the beginning of this uh, this podcast uh, recording, uh, Paul has been talking about how uh, brilliant he is with this coaching methodology. No, he's been talking about how keeping it simplistic, keeping it palatable for youth players so that they understand everything that's that's going on. How's uh, how's your audio now? Okay, sorry. Continue, continue the podcast, Paul. Pleasure to have you, and uh, I will just chime chime in when I can. Uh, Thanks, just, well, just chime in right now, man, because uh, like I said, we were just talking about coaching methodology and keeping it simple so that younger players can understand what we're talking about. Yeah, I think, too, um, when it comes to the coaching methodology, I think from what I've learned and, and, you know, with Mike and other people who I've spoken to about it, it's just making sure that you have like a solid foundation of what your ideas are and kind of what you as a coach, what are your pillars and what are your like cornerstones, things you stand by. And then after that, I think for me, it's I've learned to have more of an accountability with the, with the players of like, what do you want to work on and why? And some kids will tell you, Oh, because I, I get a lot of these situations in games. And then again, uh, um, you know, I feel uncomfortable in these situations. So I want to see them. And some kids will just say, well, I mean, this is what we've trained in the past. And I just, that's, that's what I know. So you get a lot of kids from different, um, you know, uh, expertises, but different levels and different understandings of the game. And I think when you have your pillars, everything set up, and then those kids can provide you information on why they want to learn certain things, then you can really start going at them with obviously things that you already have in your back pocket, and you can just create sessions based off those things. You know, and, and by the way, Paul, feel free to step in any time right now uh, because we we talk to each other enough about this. We do we do this literally <laughs> offline, so we we want we want to hear from you too. Um, but uh, but but Omar, I think I think you just brought up a really good point in regards to you know that interactivity. Obviously, we had uh, Paul. You probably heard it last week. We had Lloyd Yaxley, you know, from Orlando Pride, who we always love to have on the show. But he brought up the fact that it has to be there has to be that interactivity. Um, because you're really not going to be able to get your methodology across to a player unless you kind of come across from what do they want 
out of their session design too. What are they looking for in their development? And I'm talking about at the older ages, obviously I'm talking about, you know, at the, at the collegiate level, the professional level, those sorts of things, probably nine-year-olds, you probably don't want to do that. That'll be a very awkward conversation. But um, is that something that you, when you say, this is how I look at goalkeeping now, I want to hear from you. Is that something that you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think every place that I've come into, um, I'm going into a new environment. So I've got to learn the environment. I've got to learn what's happened in the past. I've got to um, kind of, you know, assess and observe what, what's, what's happened, what, how do people feel, um, where, where are they at, where do they want to go. And then really it's about once I know that information, how I can help piece that together and, and build a framework, build a kind of, um, you know, a, a, a solution for them you know, around the culture of what the team's trying to do as well. So I've got to, if, if the team, you know, for example, is a team competing for national championships, I've got to either accelerate or facilitate, um, you know, what what the kind of current situation is for those goalkeepers and, and find a way and a solution to now align it with what the team's doing to take them forward. Dude, I love what you just brought up about the uh, taking, you know, taking it forward in regards to what the team's doing. Because Omar, I think that's one of the problems that a lot of, younger coaches have out there. I can, I can throw myself under the bus. You know, when I, when I was an, a younger coach is that we'll focus more on, on like what our, our game plan is or our, our template is or, or what our goals are without really taking the team into account. We, you know, we're thinking about the goalkeeper, which is great, but we also have to think about how this is going to be effective for the team to be successful. And obviously you're finding this at the professional level. Yeah, I think, the biggest thing too that I noticed when I was was training, you know, uh, my own private stuff, is that a lot of the kids when they when their parents came, they were like, "Oh, like we love that you're doing, you know, distribution and stuff." Their team doesn't really do it, so that that again, that was a young mistake for me. It was like, "Oh, damn, I should probably try to gather more information because if I'm putting them into these situations and saying, hey, this is what I want you guys to do because this is where the game is going,' but then they, you know, they can't actually apply that. It's just long ball, or they're they're not really, you know, being asked to play with their feet." then that's this kind of a, there's a disconnect there. So I think, yeah, understanding from a private coaching side of things, what the player that's coming into the group setting or maybe their own private setting, what they, I guess their team uh, does and what situ uh, situations and scenarios they're put, <clears throat> they're being put in and then vice versa as well. Then for us, it's uh, taking those and then also layering like, look, you're not always going to play with this team. Let's per periodize a little bit more. And let's try to think, you know, on the macro side of things of when you do shift into a different league or you do shift into uh, college setting um, you want to be able to have you know the, the jack of all trades you want to be able to in your back pocket you can say oh I know Michael I know Paul you know they they can play long ball if they can they can put it into half spaces they can put it over the top they can play into somebody or you can say we want to play that short you know, the new goal kick rule we want to play it short we want to receive it and then apply, have them you know step and, and converge and then we play the spaces in behind so understanding and, and trying to facilitate it where you're working on the micro, their day-to-day, -day, what they're going to see on the weekend, but also to the macro of what can we do to help you um, step into any scenario, any situation, any team. Yeah, I mean, I'll, look, I'll even throw myself uh, under the bus right here this weekend. You know, I was in a situation where I was playing with a team that I didn't really know, and they like to play it short. They like to build out of the back. They like to let the goalkeeper have all the pressure drawn to the goalkeeper to open up those passing angles. And, you know, when I start hitting some long balls, they're like, dude, what are you doing? This is completely going against what we want whatsoever right now i needed that information and if i had a goalkeeper coach in the moment not a lot of goalkeeper coaches out there at the uh, at the at men's league level on a saturday um but if there was one there you know they probably would have would have given me that information you know and been like hey you know 
before uh, when you're getting into this environment. Um, Paul, I want to ask you about that because because of that, you're obviously your methodology has to be fluid um, and continue to evolve based on you know what what the demands are of the game at the different levels and everything. And you even brought up the fact about Tim, you know, at the FA and them kind of doing that reset to their curriculum there to kind of match today's game. Well, it's interesting. There's a couple of, couple of cool, cool points that both of you brought up there. And, um, you know, the, the first one, just going back to Omos' point with, with private training and, and aligning it with what uh, Tim, Tim and the FA are doing, it's really interesting because they speak about, you know, three areas. You've got live, unannounced and announced now. And private training is very much announced because it might be a one-on-one -on -one scenario. But as we get older, a lot of the goalkeeping that needs to be done is, is sometimes unannounced or live. And obviously live is more the games or game-like scenarios in training, which in private training settings you can't do. So obviously that's a lot of decision-making. But, you know, I think as a private trainer, if you can do um, – you know, one-on-one -on -one sessions where it's announced, but also small group sessions where you can create some decision-making, um, create some scenarios out of it to create some unannounced situations. I think that's that's a progression and a benefit that could help goalkeepers develop in terms of understanding situations in games. Um, and then with, with what you said, Mike, in terms of, um, you know, uh, just with what, what Tim's doing and, and the FA and, and, and people kind of, just, just kind of changing their mythology and, and moving it forward. I think it's, I think it's so important that as a, as a goalkeeping community, just like you know what we spoke about earlier, the game's changing so fast on us in terms of um, the rules with the technology of soccer balls and and everything else. That I think you know we have to come together to to stay connected and, and keep this thing going. Yeah. By the way, my favorite thing about this right now is that both you and Omar are in such high level environments, and you guys just have plain white walls behind you <laughs> right right now like no trophies no plaques no no uh incredible you know uh graphics or or or, or presentations or anything like that it's just a, a plain plain white wall so uh guys if, if you ever aspire to coach at the professional level or the high collegiate level guys just understand that they keep it very simple there they keep it simple uh go ahead paul, i want to ask paul a question i think um coaches who have I mean, I have, I have college experience as well. And in the season, it's very, very difficult, or at least I found it very difficult to layer in new things and new concepts because you're constantly playing games. Uh, I know we had a stretch one year where it was like four games in nine days or 10 days. And so, you know, our goalkeeper, let's say they made a mistake on the first game of those, of those, you know, four or four game road trip or whatever it was. It's very difficult to communicate and, and you don't want to get in their heads. So you have to be very, very delicate with that. So for you, with Stanford and, and kind of during your season, how much of how much coaching and new concepts are you are you kind of uh, throwing into your sessions, or is it just you know uh, the basic stuff that you kind of already layered into preseason and you're kind of touching up on, or I mean just explain how, how do you do it? Yeah, it's a good question, and and I think some of it aligns with what you spoke about in the past time or on other podcasts is um, I think use, using video now. Um, to analyze games and analyze um, training sessions has is, is become so important to what we do at, at, at this level and, and obviously your level. But I think it's coming into club soccer a lot too. You know, everybody's got access to video now. Um, so I think I think it's aligning nicely across all levels. Uh, but, you know, we, we use it a lot because obviously with, with the college model, like, for example, play Sunday, Monday, got to give the players a day off. Tuesday, Wednesday are normally our 
training days and then Thursday we play again and then Friday recovery, Saturday prepare and we're playing again. So there's very there's very short amount of learning opportunities in there to to kind of layer new things in. So we're using video a lot now to analyze what we're doing with the goalkeepers and try and pick up whether there's any kind of technical things that we can improve. Um, but what we've noticed is a lot of the goals conceded, you know, just across the whole board in general, are tactical mistakes. So positional mistakes or just not reading the game quick enough, speed of play, um, evaluating the situation. So, you know, the perception action coupling that, 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 you know, that's coming into it a lot now in terms of reading body language and uh, before the ball's even struck. Um, so we're trying to pick up on things where we can close the gap or, or find some competitive advantages uh, through, through video. Um, and then what we can do is then align it into training sessions so that the goalkeepers can see what, has happened they understand the why but then we can go and work on it and train it but we have a, a a fundamental kind of uh system in place that we always work on certain things throughout the week and that's just consistent but then we're just layering in one or two things that we see during games speaking of layering that paul um I, let's let's do this actually here right now um I, and i want to kind of bring this up right now because now we're going to kind of talk about how you've kind of gone about you know implementing this methodology in this new environment with obviously which is stanford uh for you right here so i'm going to pull this up right here um see if everybody can uh can see this right here so let's uh let's kind of start with the with the very beginning uh right here so what what what, what is going on here yeah so so you know you know, I try and take a take a big picture, big big vision look. Um, so whenever you come into a new program, it there's there's a lot of things that are that are, are, are moving. So um, obviously, once you come in, observe and and kind of assess what the situation is. Each each program's got its own culture already in place, or they're working on developing that culture. Uh, they have certain models and systems that they work through. You know, with uh, sports performance with uh, you know, periodizing just in general, you know, that, that, you know, they're all good programs, so they all know what they're doing. So, so basically I come in, uh, observe, um, assess, ask a lot of questions, build those relationships early. So speaking with the goalkeepers one-on-one, -on -one, getting a cup of coffee, like, you know, what Dan Ball said um, in the previous one, going and meeting the goalkeepers away from the field and kind of getting to know them personally, finding out where they're at, their expectations, um, and then going from there, but also working with the staff, you know, aligning with what they want from me, um, you know, whether it's, uh, whether it's, okay, you're on, you're on your own to the side or whether we're integrating in or whether now it's, it's a fully immersed thing. So um, everywhere's a little different and you have to adapt and be adaptable as a goalkeeper coach. But the, the kind of seven things here is something I took from Sir Clive Woodward, who's a rugby coach. And I thought it was quite fascinating. It's really helped me kind of piece it together. Um, Omar, are you a big fan of Sir Clyde? I don't know who that is, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a top rugby coach. You should check him out, Omar. I think you'll like him, you know. So, um, but he came up with this philosophy um, that helped him win the Rugby World Cup years ago. And um, I was like, okay, this is something that I can kind of build a, build a framework around. Um, so obviously setting a vision. And um, I think every goalkeeper coach needs a vision um, of what they want to achieve. Um, and then moving from that vision, you've got to design the experience around it, the vision. Okay. And what that's going to look like around kind of what your, um, 
uh, what your kind of uh, environment is, what you're going into. Um, and then once you do that, you've got to build the infrastructure and lay the foundations, which is obviously now uh, putting some things together, some framework together to help the goalkeepers align where they're at, but also take them on a journey to, to, to um, improve them and, and fulfill their, their goals. Uh, we got to develop a mindset um, in the goalkeeping department as well as um, just the team. So how that aligns, but also it's slightly different because we are a little bit different. Um, and then we've got to plan and organize how the year looks and then periodize it. So it kind of just flows. And just like you was talking about earlier, Mike, with being fluid, my coaching philosophy, the one word in my philosophy is fluid. And I think as goalkeeper coaches, we have to be fluid and adaptable all the time because we're always having to sometimes react to the situations versus be proactive. So, you know, I think um, if you can get into a proactive environment, you, you found a great place, but sometimes you've got to be reactive and you've got to be adaptable and fluid. Yeah. And by the way, shout out Aubrey McGlynn for that, that wonderful comment right there. I don't want Paul to respond to that. I don't want any, any sort of recruiting violations. So we're just going to leave it at, leave it at that. Thank you for your comment right there. Um, I, I want to get, talk about this before we kind of move on to that, that kind of to the next one right here, uh, Omar. And that is the fact that, that Paul brought up about, you know, understanding what they want from you in that different environment. How many young coaches go into an environment and go, this is my methodology. This is what I want to do with the goalkeepers. I don't care what you guys are all about. This is how I want to do it. And it fails. I mean, I feel, I feel personally attacked because I've done that before. Um, but you, you need to have that experience in my opinion. And fortunately for me, I had, you know, good coaches, top quality coaches who, who know me and, and saw me kind of struggle with that. And, and I was very fortunate to like, could become aware of it super early. I communicated that and people were just like, look, you got to make sure that you have the, the goalkeeper's input. And if you don't, they're not going to buy anything you're selling. So yeah, you have, that's what I said earlier. It's good to, as a coach as well, have different tools in your toolbox so that if a goalkeeper comes to you and says, Hey, I want to work on this, you're not going to come out of left field and be like, no, nah, I can't do that. It's not, it's not in my wheelhouse, but it's like, educate yourself, put yourself in a position where you're flexible. Like you said, your, your methodology needs to be fluid. And I think in my opinion, I'm a very easygoing person, but uh, as Paul, I'm sure as well in his, in his group of goalkeepers, like if you drop below the standard that you should have for yourself, of course, the head coach and myself, we want to have someone who's reliable, someone who's going to get the job done. But if you don't have a standard for yourself that's higher than ours, then I don't want to work with you, in my opinion. So like if you drop your standard below that, I don't want to have to be policing. You should be the one policing yourself. And I'm a happy camper. So to, to, to answer your question, Mike, yes, there are negotiables. There are certain things that goalkeepers will come to you with. But at the end of the day, you need to make sure that you're not compromising yourself as a coach and your, uh, I guess, your infrastructure, your things that you, you know the coach wants and needs. And then at the same time, too, the goalkeeper has to understand that it's got to be a mutual beneficial relationship, mutually beneficial um, discussion. I mean, you know, Paul, just to kind of add on right there. I mean, do you kind of feel that same way? It's got to be this kind of give and take and you have to, there are certain, like Omar was saying, certain non-negotiables and maybe the head coach maybe doesn't have necessarily a goalkeeping background. And so you need to kind of, kind of resonate to them. Why the why of why this is important. I feel that if you give a solid enough why coaches and players are willing to buy in. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're a facilitator as too as a goalkeeper coach because you've got to facilitate between the head coach and you've got to facilitate between the goalkeeper of what they want too. So you you have to kind of work in between um, and be that kind of middle person. Um, and you've got to, you know, 
find out what the expectations are of the head coach of what they want from their goalkeepers. That might be slightly different from what the actual goalkeeper is or thinking at the same time. You got to be that person to be able to bridge the gap and be able to either reframe what your goalkeeper is thinking to align with the head coach or try and, you know, work with the head coach to say, right, this is where the goalkeeper is right now. This is, this is the timeline of how we can now, you know, take that goalkeeper on that kind of journey to get where you want it to go. But it might be, you might have to have, be a bit patient to get there. Um, so you have to be very good in terms of your communication and your relationships and how you can facilitate between the two. Um, and luckily enough, I've, you know, I've worked with good goalkeepers and good head coaches and they've both been very receptive, receptive uh, to kind of, you know, my kind of opinions on both and respected that and been able to kind of work uh, between all three of us to get where we want to go. So I think that's been a really, really good thing. And that's about relationship building within the kind of, uh, you know, the, 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 the new environment you're in. So I think that's important. You've got to spend time, a lot of time making sure that's, that's really, you know, a good foundation and, and solid. So, so let, let's kind of get, talk a little bit about the day-to-day the -day in regards to the framework right here. And obviously, you've got a very solid uh, archery-like uh, bullseye uh, diagram going on. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot going on right here. But I think for a lot of people who might be watching this, again, like I'm saying, maybe parents or younger players and stuff, and they're saying there's a lot of words up here, you've kept it very simple. They're very key, specific action items. Yeah, so, so basically, you know, with, with, within the – methodology and then kind of like the seven kind of things now it's like okay i have to build this framework out and really everything comes down to why um and you know if we can get to the why quicker than the what and the how and and why we're doing this then we can move in the direction where we want to go a lot quicker so you know the why is really what our vision is what we want to become and where we want to go and what we want to achieve um you know and that comes from from vision and, and the belief of of why we're all doing this to be honest with you um but once we know the why once we know what we want and and you know where we want to go with it then obviously now it's how do we do it so we have to start building some framework you know and that's with you know values um you know what what are our values as a goalkeeping group what are our values as just individual goalkeepers who do we want to be what's our identity um and then what are our performance pillars okay how do we get there um and then what's the strategy to get there? What's what's kind of the, the fundamental things in place that we can do? And then then the outer ring is just the what, okay? So that's basically the day-to-day. -day. So that, that'll be obviously the tactics that we work on as a team, uh, individually, collectively, uh, within, within the group. Day-to-day, um, -day, um, obviously, that's what we're working on, uh, building the why and the how into, okay, and what our kind of behaviours are every day and the behaviours are there. Um, how we lead and how we follow sometimes you know as senior goalkeepers they're more leaders but we've also got third and fourth choice goalkeepers that may be just young and now they're in a, a following phase they're in a mentorship phase so we have to find a way to kind of bring them along too um you know and then the processes and actions each day what we do you know how we are with each other um how we are with our teammates you know what what how we align with you know, the, the values of the team. So it all kind of interlinks together, but really the most important thing is, is, is why. Yeah. And I, and I think that is so integral. And I think Omar, I think, you know, one of the things that, that I've seen a lot of times with, with, with younger coaches is that they don't honor the prior experiences of the goalkeepers that they're working with. And they try to reconstruct a goalkeeper, but they've never, they haven't been through their prior experiences. 
you know, so maybe there's some value to some of the scenarios that they've been in before that they didn't even recognize. And this is the reason why this unorthodox movement or tactic has worked for them and been effective for them. You know, how is important is it for you, Omar, to honor kind of like the prior experiences of the goalkeeper? I, I, I would agree, but to a certain extent, I think if, if that um, prior experience or their idea that they're holding on to that they're better at this technique when in reality the results don't show it, I think us as well, we have to step in and again assert ourselves and communicate that to them like, hey, it's not working. And again, we are at this level and I'm sure, I mean, uh, Mike, you're your league as well, but Paul, I know you and I, our level, we keep our jobs. You know, we have 18 losses this year, so I don't want to say that, but (laughs) you do essentially do keep your job from, um, you know, from wins and losses, the results. And so sometimes a goalkeeper, if, if for me, I'm, I'm being patient and they've proven to me, they've said, look, this is a technique that I'm more familiar with. I'd rather shuffle than cross step. I'd rather uh, punch with two hands and then punch with one hand, whatever it is. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be patient. I'll put you in those scenarios in training to see if that's factual. Um, and if you are able to connect and do those things uh, uh, right, then I think we've built enough trust for me to say, okay, go for it, do it in games. I'm not going to stop you. But if, if, I feel like the situations you're putting yourself in are disadvantageous for our team and they're going to cost us results. Then I'm going to have to step in and say, look, that technique cannot be done. You got, you have to adjust. We have to find a better way. But at the end of the day, you have a goal. I have a goal and we're trying to meet it and it's to get results. Thoughts, Paul? No, I agree. Yeah. I think it's a fine balance between it all. And I think that's the, that's the beauty of, of, the, the difference between you know good and great goalkeeper coaches is is they can find that balance between the two um you know it's it's not easy you know every day there's going to be new challenges you know posed by the decision making of goalkeepers in training um you know there there's there's biases of of how they've been trained in the past and you know tr- trust me like some of the goalkeepers I've worked with better goalkeeper coaches have coached them before me. So I have to respect that too. You know, like I look back on when I asked the goalkeepers, who have you worked with in the past? And I'm like, wow, you've had some very, very good goalkeeper coaches. So I have to look at that and go, wow, okay, maybe I can learn from them too. Maybe they can do this, this, this better than what I can teach them. And maybe we can come together and I can empower them to continue to, to, to build off that technique. Or there might be a technique that isn't working that we've got to fix and we got to find a way and a solution to do that. So, and that's and that's what we have to do as goalkeeper coaches. We have to find those solutions for them. And and real quick, Paul, I think I have in my I have my little like coaching binder, my coaching notes on here on my computer. And I'll tell everybody a quick story, Mike. I know how much you uh, you want to. I love your that. stories. <laughs> but quick, so uh, I put here in my notes after the whole, the whole conversation. It was how to be stern without discouraging the big picture. And I had, an, I had an experience with Steve as our head coach where, you know, there were certain goal kicks in games where our goalkeeper, he played the ball and it was so obvious for the press who he was going to play to. And he was like, Omar, he needs to be a little bit more creative. Sometimes he needs to fake one way so the, the, he can see where the pressure is coming from. And then maybe if they're going all out, then we go big or we go the opposite way. So I, you know, I got that from the head coach. It came down to me as, a, as an opportunity to, you know, progress the goalkeeper and develop them with, within our system. And so, you know, I, I was very patient with it. He made one or two mistakes in games, just some bad passes and, you know, one touch clearances out. We didn't pay for it. But then in training, I kept layering it and layering it and he got better at it. 
And then there was one day where we were, you know, playing a small sided game. He got a pass back and he, you know, looked one way and then he played the ball into a small little channel. He tried to find the window, um, trying to manipulate the defender and the defender completely read it, took the ball and scored. And so, you know, we blew the whistle. He walks over and everyone's getting water and he's like, Omar, are you okay with that pass? And I'm like, I didn't like the execution, but I did like the, the, um, the attempt. And I did like the idea. I like the concept of what he was looking at. And he was like, no, that's not acceptable. I, I don't want that. And he kept saying risk versus reward. But I said, Steve, look, for me, you're the head coach. Of course, you want to get results. But for me, the idea is to encourage the attempt, encourage the idea. And I want him, the, the macro, to get there. But the micro, yeah, he didn't get this one pass, but I don't want that to discourage the big picture. And then it came to me after a few days, he and I kind of like, it was kind of not heated, but it was a conversation where like we butted heads. We're like, I'm thinking about the from the goalkeeper side and he's thinking from the result side. So then a few days, not a few days, like a day went by and then we had a good conversation about it. And he's like, Omar, there are just some things that the, the head, things that need to come from the head coach. And when it comes to um, being you know, uh, efficient and execute those plays, as a goalkeeper coach, we can say certain things, yes, but then the head coach needs to come down, I think, and it, it means a little bit more from the head coach where you kind of go, oh, crap, okay, I need to really shape up. From the goalkeeper coach, in my opinion, I'm there to support, obviously be stern, but at the same time, not so much where I'm discouraging the big picture of things that we're trying to lay down in terms of like the infrastructure, the foundation. But I think, you know, I mean, and, and obviously we'll, we'll get back to this in a second, Paul, but I think this is really important what Omar just said right there because I think – I think there has to be that synergy between the head coach and the goalkeeper coach. And if one's on an Island and it's trying to get a specific point across and they're not, they're not communicating why, why they're going about something. And the same with the head coach, they're not communicating. This is, these are the scenarios that are going to happen. Yeah. I think, I think it's, I think this is a common thing that happens a lot. Um, And I think it's a day-to-day thing that you have to consistently work on. Um, but ultimately the head coach is the head coach and he makes the final decision. So, um, you know, what, what he wants is, or what she wants is, is the most important thing because ultimately they are this, the ultimate decision makers and we're facilitating or trying to, to help them with that decision. Um, but having said that, you know, that, that, that might be good for the short term, but it doesn't mean that we have to stop working on it we can just continue to build on it for the long term but we might have to sacrifice it a little bit short term um in terms of what the head coach wants because of execution or, or results but we continue to keep working on it for the long-term gain but we just got to find a, a creative way to get around it and, and and work that kind of solution it isn't easy but it's something that yeah. we have to be good at is yeah i think so, i mean go ahead sorry. i think no, for, okay. me, for me it was one of those um when what was I going to say? I'm sorry, I completely lost track of what I was going to say. But I think there, there, th- those conversations do need to happen. And I think for me personally, the way I coach and the way I like to coach is, again, praise the intent. And obviously, we have a certain standard that you have to meet. But for me, it's like I want to be patient and I want to make sure that I use my voice when it when it needs to be used. I've had coaches in the past who use their voice over and over and over. It's like a goalkeeper yelling at their defense. When you, when you walk over those young kids in the field or at the, uh, at the fields at these tournaments, they've never been coached how to communicate with their team to get the best out of them. So they're just yelling and airing their grievances out. And then as you get older, you realize people will stop listening to you. 
So for me, what I started noticing is that I'd rather be patient with you. And if I see certain trends, then obviously bring it up. And of course, I'll bring it up, but not to a point where I'm hammering you about it, because I want you to play with your instinct. I don't want anything to cloud or fog up your instinct. And I feel like obviously with recruitment and getting you know players who fit your system, at the end of the day, you want to allow them from what you've seen on video, what you've seen in person recruiting them, you want that to shine. There's a reason why you recruited them and got them there. So you want that to shine. And then for me, what I've noticed with our goalkeeper here, we got scored on, I mean, the best, like top ESPN, top 10, three games in a row. It was, it was golazo after golazo after golazo. And after the first one, we discussed it a little bit. And then like a game later, I was like, damn, that's a great say, a great goal. And then again, it happened again. And then I said, okay, like let's, these are great goals, but can we discuss something about this? What, what, what are we seeing? What are the trends that are, you know, affecting us here? One was that he was trying into, you know, to find the ball through traffic and get into like the perfect ideal spot. And then by trying to do that, he was getting set a second late and he couldn't move his feet after. The second one was that he was still hopping in the air as a shot came, as we've seen with goalkeepers that have different triggers. But for me, I felt like that methodology for me worked where I allowed a few things to go wrong. And then I found the trends within them. And now the goalkeeper, we, I have multiple things to show them. And now we can have discussion versus you conceded one. Why did you concede that? Why were you jumping? What's going on? Is there something that's going in your head where you overreact in my opinion? So I think, for me, I've, I've found success or I've found a structure um, trying to let things play out. And if it's a major issue, of course, bring it up. If it's a minor issue, let's try to allow the trends to develop. And if it's a trend, then we discuss it. But but, but I'm, I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second there, Omar, before we move back to this here, Paul, because I think one of the problems that we're having here, Omar, is, is again, it's the demands of your game versus the demands of Paul's game. Your game, you have, what, 70 games a year or whatever you guys play at the pro level? You play a lot of games. Too many. Um, but, but, it's, but it's spread out through a long season. Paul, as you know, at the collegiate level, doesn't have that type of – he doesn't have that time uh, during, the, during the regular season to go, well, let me wait three or four scenarios – uh, and then I'll bring it up, you know, once we're, we're fighting for a playoff spot, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 so, so it's a, it's a little bit more of a, a sticky situation for you, Paul, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it, 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 there's no perfect scenario cause you have to work within the periodization of college, uh, college soccer, you know, and, you know, as we all know, it's, it's a different periodization to everywhere else in the world. So we can't think like the rest of the world, how it's done in, Premier League or the MLS or whatever league NWSL, we have to think a little bit differently. So I think if we if we think the same, then we can fall into those traps of of you know maybe missing missing the point of what our league's basically offering us, and we have to be adaptable to that league. So with our league, you know, obviously it's very different. So we have to be very flexible with with the time we have and, and maximize it the best way we can. So I think that's why, you know, observation and assessment is really important um, from the video perspective to be able to kind of highlight certain areas that we can, we can address quickly, but also keep a common kind of fundamental, um, you know, uh, you know, framework of what we need to work on week in, week out to make sure we're fresh, we're sharp, and we can actually execute what we want to do um, at this level. Um, it, obviously in the spring and in, in the off season, we can do a lot more of that stuff, but during the season, we have to be very mindful of what the, 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 the league offers us and how we can go about that, you know? So, so, so let, let, let's go kind of in, in, into this, this right there. And I, I hope that clarifies it to anybody is 
is that you you kind of need to understand kind of like you know the demands of the the league that you're playing in and 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 how your how your periodization of your game schedule goes and all, all of that sort of stuff. Um, explain this gap plan for us, Paul, because I really like this here. Yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 something I came across a while back from um, some coaches that are a lot smarter than me, um, and I really liked it. Um, so you know, I went with it and, and incorporated it into what the goalkeepers do. Um, and we do this periodically. So, like, um, you know, before the season starts, they'll they'll complete one of these for me. Um, but I do it every time I go into a new program. And it's been really, really helpful because they don't know me. So there's a lot of anxiety. Um, they don't know. Like, they're like, who's this new goalkeeper coach coming in? Don't know him that well. Um, they have a lot of things going through their head from how their last season went. Um, you know, and, and what their perceptions are. So what it does is, is, is what I do is I say, right, um, you know, when I meet with them, I say, right, tell me what your current self is. Where, you, where are you right now? So technically, tactically, uh, personal growth, you know, so mindset or, you know, what are you doing current self to, to make yourself better from, from, from the kind of uh, mental aspect and then the physical side. So, and then what I do is then I ask them, what do you want your future self to look like? And normally what we do is we, we align it either up to the end of preseason or sometimes I align it up to just before conference starts. So where are you now and where do you want to be? Um, and then the gap in between is, okay, how are you going to get there? Okay. And, um, you know, you've got to write down the processes and the details of how you're going to do it. So what normally happens and what I've seen trending in, in the past is, um, the goalkeepers will write down a ton of information. It'll be, it'll be, it could be several pages long. They want to get everything out of their head, um, what their current self is and where they want their future self to be. Um, and then the processes, you know, um, can be a little bit light in terms of the detail. Um, so what I do is then sit down with them after they've sent this to me, we go and have another cup of coffee, sit down and we go, okay. Um, so Let's start backwards this time. So you want to be your future self here. Okay. How can we now make it more, uh, make it, give it more clarity, make it simple and make it where it's more of a statement of where you want to be in these four categories. And then we work back to where are you now, but in between, then I can help build that relationship between us and say, okay, I can help you um, have, have conversations with the sports performance people and we can align on what we want to do. We can help kind of periodize how that aligns to make you physically stronger or more powerful. Uh, personal growth, okay, we can help you with different ways of coping strategies, reframing things, how you deal with mistakes, um, how, you, how you be a better, uh, better teammate, whether you lead, follow. And then obviously technical and tactical take care of themselves. Okay, how can we align that into training? Um, both on and off the field, whether it's with video or on the field. So straight away, within the first week or two, I've already got um, a, a real clear plan for each individual goalkeeper of where they want, where they are, where they want to go, and how I can help them help themselves get to where they want to get to. Um, and that starts building a relationship immediately. I, I want to add on to this, Paul, because I think this is, I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I, 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 I want to steal that. Um, Omar, I don't know how you feel, but I almost feel like that's like a template that you should hand to every young goalkeeper coach when they, when they, when they started a youth club or at a college or, 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 or what, whatever type of environment, because it's so simple, it's so specific and it, and it makes your job a heck of a lot easier starting out. Right, Omar? Yeah, I think again, what I, th I said it earlier, I think the accountability as well is, is super important. And, 
to develop that relationship, it has to be a two-way street. You obviously need to hear the goalkeeper. They need to hear you. But I think developing the foundational piece of what do you want and then them articulating it. Because I think for me, if I was when I was in a younger position, um, if a coach asked me, I think I would probably just spit off different things that are on top of my head. But if I had to sit down and organize what I want to get out of my goalkeeping career, and, and I probably would have never put down nutrition because I never did that. But if my coach saw, hey, you have no performance, no nutrition, why? Well, I don't see it being as, you know, uh, something that's valuable. I, I, I feel like I know the game well enough. That's younger Omar. That's what I would have said. And he's like, no, if you want to have longevity in your career and if you want to play at the college and the professional level, you need to have better uh, nutrition. You need to have a better um, recovery program, a better performance program. And I think for me, that would have done me, you know, years, given me years and years of, of uh, you know, still playing. So I think if, if I think it's a great idea and it's, it's the way to do it, in my opinion, for younger coaches that uh, are stepping into a group environment, the private setting, you can do it as well. Just everyone has their own schedule and it's so hard. Uh, they're not, in my opinion, it's, you know how it is, goalkeeper coaches, we know, like we don't get paid the most, so we can only stretch ourselves so thin. So I, you, you pay me for the training, I'll give you, I'll bring video, we'll, we'll talk about it. But when it's done, like I have other kids that I got to worry about, I got other jobs and ways to feed myself. So it's difficult, but I think at the at the college level or in, in these situations at the, uh, with USL and everything, when you have like a core group of goalkeepers, having those sit-down conversations because you're going to spend the whole season together, you may as well get comfortable and understand each other. You know, and, and I think I think that's, you know, a, a really good point, Omar, that you brought up right there in regards to at the at the private setting or even at that, you know, the large group, you know, club setting. It is much more difficult. I mean, I'll, I'll give an example. It's like when the first major club job that I took was at a club called Real SoCal that's now called LAFC Youth SoCal <laughs> Association of Soccer or something. I don't know. It's it's some something to do with LAFC. But uh but it was a massive club, and, and it, I think it's even bigger now than it was then. But it was the biggest club I had worked at at the time because I had just come from a club called uh, FC Barcelona, which was not affiliated with Barcelona. It's now called CZ Elite, and it was a much smaller club. That's actually where I met Omar. And, um, you know, there were so many kids. I think it would have been very difficult for me to create a gap thing individual like that for them but if i just had a sheet like this the first day at the very first goalkeeper session i said guys take this home with you fill this out bring it back to me at least i'd have some sort of a semblance paul of of what they wanted from me and how i could go about doing it yeah one of one of the, the things i got off someone who's who's a mentor of mine said if you commit to paper you commit to mind so as soon as they commit to the paper they can commit it to their mind and if you say it, you've got to own it. So once they've committed to the paper and then they can regurgitate it back to you, then they've got to own it. And now you can make them accountable because it's not my words, um, it's their words. And, and ultimately, if it's their words, then this is what they want. It's not what I want for them, it's what they want. And now I can help push them. And it's not about me and them, it's about the thing that we're trying to achieve together. So, so I want to move on to this right here um, because this is this is now we're now we're actually taking everything that you were kind of talking about and now we're kind of putting it, you know, from pen to paper to the actual activity and actually dealing with the scenarios on the field. Here's the execution, and everything. So, what what are we kind of walking through right here? Yeah. So, you know, like a listen to the podcast a few times and you know I think you know we talked about video analysis or not and. Um, I listened to a really good um, kind of webinar podcast from um, Tim Dittmar and um, I found it fascinating because he, he, he talked about, you know, certain areas. I think he, he's for uh, 
um, assessment, position, decision, and action. So I took I took a look at that, and then I you know reflected on it a little bit. And for for the level that I'm at, I've just kind of expanded on it a little bit. Um, so created a, an area where it's it's scanning, which is basically reading the situation, reading the game, position, and then evaluate, which is the perception action pieces, which is just before they shoot, what their what their body language, or or is there any kind of things that we can see that kind of give away where they're going, um, and then decision and action. So. Um, so basically, when when I do video with the goalkeepers, I have this in mind um, every time that uh, we, we talk with each other. Um, and what I'm trying to do is then just break it down in, in a simple way where, you know, it's not necessarily about focusing on the action all the time, which is where it goes in the goal or we make the save. But what actually happens in the process before the save? So we're looking at, OK, the action is at the end and sometimes we are you know, we're in that fixed mindset of outcome driven goalkeepers where we're like, okay, I've made the save. That's great. I'm cloud nine or I haven't made the save. It's gone in. Now it's the end of the world. So we're trying to get away from that and, and make it less, less of an emotional thing, emotional outcome where we can actually think about the process of things. So it might be, yeah, the goal went in, but what happened before? Um, so was you in the right position? So for example, here scanning, are you reading the situation as the ball goes in? Is your position in the correct position based on where the ball is being played through now? Um, and as, as the video goes on, right now she's about or she's about to shoot. Uh, how are you evaluating? What do you see? What's your decision based off how they how they make the connection, whether they're shooting or whether they're passing? And then obviously what the action is. So if you go back to the beginning of the video, Mike, and just play it through to, to the whole end, Basically, what we've done is we've broke, broken down five scenarios as what of, of what's happened. But really, we're not looking at what happened at the end. We're looking at all the things that happened before. So, yeah, if you go back to that one, Mike, just let it play through and we'll just watch it and just see whether anybody can pick anything up. So just watch their position and, and just see if there's anything you like or don't like, you know, based on all five of those, whether you, they tick the box or don't tick the box. Ball goes out wide now. Now they recycle. Take a look at the scanning. Take a look at the position now. Do you agree or disagree based on where the ball is? This is their position based on just as the cross is going in. This is how they're evaluating now. This is their decision now. And this is the action coming up. So what I rec what I recognize right there, you know, and Omar, I don't know if you, if you want to add on to this right here, is it just the simple matter of just does these areas of assessment take place four or five times in this one scenario? It's not it's not just, you know, one time, but, but as an, as a scenario is going on until that final action, you're constantly recycling through these different areas of assessment. Yeah. I think, I mean, for me, uh, aside from the, the areas of assessment, I think naturally as a goalkeeper, when things get pushed one way or cleared out one way, our, our initial intention is to step forward and like say close half the distance or step forward. But I feel like when this ball got played, why she did that, but you kind of have to, with, with that quick scan, that you have two runners in the middle, that the the there's priorities not to be on the near post, but to drop off just a little bit. So now we can account for near post, central, and far post runner. Um, so in this situation, I if I was her, instead of following that ball as it was clear, just quick scan and then reposition to figure out what's happening, or sorry, where the imminent threats are if that ball does get served in. So watch as it plays out. 
I've had this with my goalkeepers as well, where they kind of like not favor the near post, but like they've had situations where somebody will come in near post um, and beat them to the ball. So they want to be following up close. And so as this ball goes up, she's up there following the ball. So my right, right here, when she when she starts to scan, if she keeps her head on a swivel, this far post runner right here that goes, I would have repositioned centrally now. I would have gotten myself all the way a little bit further back, even even with the post, but like three, four yards central. Because now I can, if that ball comes near post, I, can, I come and attack it. And if it goes far post, I'm, I don't have to curl my run, but I can actually have a direct line to it. And the, and, the, and the great thing about this is we haven't really talked about the action at all. We're talking about everything but the action, which is, which is I, I, for me personally, is I think the most important thing. Because now we're being proactive um, as goalkeepers. Like the action piece is the reactive piece. But really, now we've started to and, and put ourselves in a goalkeeper's position here, like, myself and another goalkeeper and basically i'm just asking questions how do you feel about that position what do you think um you know how do you you know what do you see there you know so i'm trying to now ask the questions and put myself in her lens and she can articulate what she's seeing how she's feeling and then what we can do is come to some kind of understanding to say yeah i like what you're thinking but you can see that you got attracted to the ball when really you should be being attracted to where the, the, the space of where the ball's going next. And then now you can take up a stronger, more dominant position to be able to have a better action, which is maybe take the cross rather than have to try and save a shot inside your six yard box. So while this is going on, I'm just asking questions and then I'm trying to get the feedback to see whether they can find the answers themselves. Because I don't think it's about me finding the answer for them initially. It's about them discovering and empowering themselves to now really think about it and think about the processes. And then once they once they uh, they might be on the right track or they might not be, but I can then guide them to what the answer is. But now we come to it together and now we can move on. But they feel empowered that they found the answer. I love what you just said right there, Paul. I mean, it was making me think about the fact that like when we had Lloyd on last week and he brought up... Um, the fact and uh, that simply you have to recognize, you have to make sure that the picture that they're seeing is the same picture that you're seeing. And if there's a disconnect between the pictures, why, why is there a disconnect between the pictures? Is it on your end? Is it on their end? You know, um, are you making sure that they're evaluating all these and they're seeing all the triggers and cues? Um, are you seeing all the triggers and cues? Are they seeing more than you're seeing? You know, so you really have to make sure. And I think that's why, Omar, we always talk about the, why the video analysis is so important, you know, post post the post the action, post the post post the match, um, because then that's when you start really understanding where they were coming from. And you guys can both see the picture from a standpoint that's completely non-biased because it's the image. It is. It's the picture that it is. And, and, and then you guys can work together, you know, to, to fix it. Yeah, I think that's also too, uh, some advice that I got from even Steve here, other coaches is like, whenever there's a questionable goal or something that happened in a game, it's best to not talk about it after the game. It's more so let's strip the emotion of it. Let's try to, you know, uh, let it kind of rest in and, and kind of let the goalkeeper let it uh, uh, reflect with them. And then, on, you know, when you get to the opportunity, like you said, the non-biased objective view of the, of the camera, you can actually sit down with them and say, okay, like, no more emotion. Don't give me... Uh, Alex sometimes will give me excuses of like, I, I was doing this. I'm like, I don't want to hear the excuse. Let's just have a sit down conversation. Let's discuss it versus you trying to deflect. Let's just have a discussion without the emotion. And I feel like the video does a great job of that. 
Yeah, I, I want to bring up this last thing, Paul, kind of before we kind of, um, you know, kind of start wrapping up. And, and that that's that's right here. Let's see if I can find it here. Um, the cycle of learning. I think this is so, so, so important because now when we're talking about the evaluation, whoops, I just uh, let's just see if I can find that again. There we go. Okay. The cycle of learning. So I think this is just what we were kind of just talking about right there in regards to that evaluation, that post evaluation and everything like that. Um, and understanding, you know, the kind of the takeaways from both the player and the coach. Yeah, this is, this is something I, I, I put together a couple of years ago and I've just kind of been tweaking it and working it, you know, from a goalkeeping perspective and it changes every year, but Really, I just looked at it and said, okay, if you know, even if you just start at the top where it's, you know, um, you know, the action happens and then you get the player's response, which is either the save or, um, you know, or, or a goal or whatever it is, you know, the player's response from the action. Um, and then, you know, you get the coach's takeaway, but it's based off all observations, you know, and then, you know, those observations, then, you know, you can now start thinking about what feedback you want to give to players um, once you get that feedback, now it's, okay, what do the players take away? And then what are the responses after? And then the cycle keeps going. And we kind of align it into all the all the five things there. So isolated training, group training, uh, training situations, which is the unannounced and, and, and um, somewhat live training in, in, in our training sessions, then game scenarios, and then film prep review. So, you know, a lot, a lot of it's about communication and a lot of it's about, um, that relationship but what it does is it builds that relationship through asking questions through um, you know discovering what the goalkeeper's seeing and 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 how they're feeling um, to, to really get to the why and it goes back to you know what the framework was at the beginning what is the why and how we can align it with the vision of what we do so really it's, it's a loop that kind of keeps us it keeps us centered, but in an emotional control where we can also have a dialogue where, you know, we're not just thinking it's, it's about emotional outcomes. It's about the process of things and, and how we can get to the right solution at the end. Yeah. By the way, uh, speaking of relationships, we just got this comment right now uh, from, from Katie Meyer. It says from paying no. very close attention. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> So you're, you're, you're uh, so I don't know if that's a that's a good thing or a, a bad or a bad or a bad thing. Paying very well, feeling I'm going to hear about it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and then also we got this comment right here from uh from from somebody uh that we we might have heard of before Daniel Ball who goes uh what an absolute legend Paul is huge for me over the last three years grateful for him smart in ir irrespective is it smart irrespective of his very common oh irrespective of his very common accent you guys in the uk you guys are too smart for us can't even speak yeah he, he speaks the queen's english i don't so. <laughs> <laughs> omar, omar do you uh do you, do you want to comment on my on my my lack of understanding of how to pronounce ir irrespective <laughs> i honestly i was i was waiting to see how you would do with that word but uh, <laughs> epic fail. but no i think i'm learning myself i'm taking screenshots of this hopefully we can uh uh, was this email to us? Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna keep, yeah. yeah keep it on yeah. as well. Um, I, Paul, I have a question for you, kind of before we start wrapping up right here, and that is the kind of like um, we talked about kind of you know goalkeepers being effective, you know, and 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 young goalkeeper coaches trying to put their stamp, quote unquote, on a goalkeeper. I've seen it happen so many times, and they go, yeah, but you know, oh, have you? 
I can tell that so-and-so is training with so-and-so right now because they're doing this like they want them to do this as opposed to what's been effective is kind of the risk of deconstructing a goalkeeper and not having them be effective anymore worth the reward of them potentially being minimally more successful in an action? That, that, that's a question I think that's still trying to be answered by everybody, you know, and um, I, I don't know whether I found the answer to that one yet. Um, I'm sure I've made many mistakes over the years with other goalkeepers where I've tried to maybe, you know, uh, tweak it or, or tinker with it, you know, and, and see whether I can do that. But, you know, I, I feel like that's an ongoing thing that I think um, it's, it's a personal, personal journey. I mean, some goalkeeper coaches might be great at making these adjustments. Some goalkeeper coaches may not be. I think you just got to find out what type of goalkeeper coach you are and just, be you know uh, coach to your strengths um be adaptable be fluid um understand that the game is evolving so fast from a goalkeeper's perspective that we have to be um very flexible with how we think um but most importantly it all comes down to the goalkeeper not the goalkeeper coach and if we keep making sure the goalkeeper is number one focus in that individual whatever skill sets they have, we can just add and layer onto what they already have. Then I think we'll be in a good place and they'll find, they'll find the pathway themselves because if they're curious, if they want to learn, if they if they want to work hard, if they want to compete, then they will, they will achieve what they want to achieve. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Omar, I think, you know, kind of, as we're kind of wrapping up right here, um, I know that one of the things that we talked about obviously is that template of a, of kind of the first session and kind of getting to know your goalkeepers. Um, would you, would you kind of be in the mindset that there's a lot of goal coaches out there that when they're seeing something like this, they go, Oh, you know what? I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And then they start freaking out and then they start trying to reevaluate what they're doing. And then they end up trying to completely reinvent the wheel at their next session. And then it becomes kind of a disaster and you have to kind of pick and choose and let your education kind of be fluid and kind of just keep learning from, from all the different information you're getting. Yeah, I think, I mean, you, I think you answered the question there. Um, but I think again, I don't know how many times I've had sessions that I thought were going to go amazing and I was trying a new concept out and I failed on my face, failed miserably. And it was like the goalkeepers don't know that I'm failing because it's still like, it looks like a good session, but there was still, and they're like, you know, he knows what he's doing. But half the time I'm like, oh my God, that I, I tried that. That did not work out. I'm just going to have to like save face here. I need to fake it till I make it till the end of this session. And I can re uh, uh, revisit why, why I thought this was going to work. So any young coaches out there, like, there is no perfect script, in my opinion, when it comes to coaching. You literally just have to try something, and when it doesn't work, figure out why. And like uh, like Paul said, there are those players as well where they try something or they make they make a mistake. And if you're eager to learn, you're going to ask yourself why. You're going to revisit that moment and reflect on it. But then there's those players who are just like, I made the save. I'm not going to think about uh, the uh, the awareness of what I was doing in those moments. I made the save. I'm not going to overvalue. Sure, there's just, everyone learns differently and everyone reflects differently. Um, but as a coach, you need to make sure that you try something and don't get discouraged if it, it doesn't work out the first time. Understand why and then see if there's something that you can hold on to that was good from that session that you can kind of add on and layer into other stuff. But don't get discouraged. Just try it and fail. Try it and fail. Omar, thank you for saving me from that because uh, what I did right there was basically a habit, Paul, that you know I have a lot of times is that I'll ask a question and then answer it in that, in that same uh same comment and then the person goes like well you already said it so i don't know how to add on to that your phone that's always beeping no it's not my phone 
Is that yours, oh, Paul? That, that's me. Sorry for some oh, reason. Uh, that's that's me. Me. You gotta hide your alerts. You gotta hide your got hide your alerts. Uh, <laughs> no, I I learned I, I I learned at least at least a couple weeks ago, Omar. I learned to to, to turn on my my alert to hide my alerts. Um, well, Paul, man, uh, we, we don't want to keep you too long, man, because I, I know, you know, this you're in the middle of the season right now. You got a you got a bit busy season right now. Obviously, you got, you know, uh, Suskia's UCLA coming in a, in a couple of weeks. And obviously, that's going to be a big match for for you guys uh, right there. Um, but we'll definitely have to have you back, man. And we'll have to try to do something in person because, I mean, what a wealth of information, man. And I mean, this is for it's real. just awesome. It's just awesome. Awesome to see. And like Omar and I, we were joking, man. It's like. My gosh, man, there are so many good goalkeeper coaches out there. Every time we see somebody and go, I thought we've seen everything. We see something new and go, man, man, you just always can keep learning like Phil Wedden says, right? Absolutely. And Phil, Phil's incredible too, by the way. There's so many great goalkeeper coaches in the country. And, you know, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm learning from everybody and just trying to find ways and solutions to help the goalkeeper coaches that I'm working with uh, and goalkeepers that I'm working with. So, you know, whatever I can do to pass forward and pass on to, to help us as a community move forward, I'm I'm always open and happy to 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 do that. You know. So so Paul, if uh, if people want to connect with you, you know, kind of offline and everything like that, where's the best place for them to connect with you? Uh, I'm on Twitter, so you can always message message me on Twitter. Just you know, in that little message box or Twitter have um, at Coach Paul Hart, and then my email is Paul Hart seven eight at hotmail.com if anybody wants to reach out hotmail all you guys in the uk have hotmail still i've noticed i've noticed that that's it i told you mike i'm like i don't even know how to do me me ping thing and, you know, <laughs> i don't know how to do the like what's what's the new one gmail trust like, me trust me you're you're still you're still doing better than saskia trust me you're still doing better than, than saskia she's not here to be able to defend herself but uh it's it's been an uphill battle it's been an uphill battle um uh finally paul uh, before we kind of plug ourselves right here um Thanks for being a fan, man. Honestly, I mean, it means a lot when when coaches of your level reach out, want to come on the show, have cool topic ideas and stuff. Um, you know, I, again, like you know, if, I'm glad that you know. Otherwise, it's just an Omar and I talking, and uh, and I'm glad that people it's, it's somehow resonating and the guests that we're having on are you're all benefiting from. And like like you're saying, you know, you know, um, it, it's not like we're all anything brilliant, but we're all learning from each other. And so I think it's we really really appreciate it, man. So thank thank you so much for uh, for for enjoying what we do. So. No, I just I just want to say thank you to to yourself, Omar and Saskia, because it, it takes a lot of sacrifice and a lot of time and effort to put this together, and you know, and and do what you do. And I know the goalkeeping community, and definitely myself, really appreciate. You. I've learned so much, and you've really closed the gap on on really helping us as goalkeeper coaches. You know, stay up to up to date with the trends and really gain some great knowledge and information. So thank you so much for everything. Well, guys, if you want to, uh, if you want to showcase your knowledge and uh, and how how brilliant you are, and keep learning with us, uh, and you got you got a topic suggestion, or if you have a guest suggestion of somebody else, uh, contact it inside the eighteen. That's the number eighteen media.com or at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social media platforms. If you want to reach out to Omar because he loves getting those DMs at ProGK Academy underscore. Uh, I know Omar, you've got some. Uh, as, as well as as the new platform uh, starts launching and stuff like that, I know you got some some sessions that you've been champing at the bit to be be showcasing out there, right? Yes, yes. Uh, we've had a lot of sessions here at uh, with, with LAC Two or Las Vegas Lights. Um, but yeah, I think again, just I want to reiterate to all the coaches as well. I think um, my last words, I guess, is that 
for a player, for a coach, like it's not just about going out there and failing. It's about having a plan and like really standing with conviction behind your plan. And if it doesn't work, then you can feel like, okay, at least I failed forward because I learned what didn't work. And I feel like from myself and, and for other coaches or for me as a player too, I didn't have a plan and I went out there and failed and I was like grabbing all these different pieces, like why didn't it work? And I never had a structure to go from. So I think Paul, you're, you're the slideshow or like the, the pieces for your methodology. I think as a coach, that is the standard because now what you said over the years, you've been adding to it. And I think that's a standard. If you've made a mistake or if you feel like, okay, I, I didn't add that. I, that's, that's more of a priority. You can slowly add that to your methodology. And now if anybody ever questions you about your methodology or your players question you about whatever was in the slideshow, you can go, no, it works. Like I'm standing behind what I believe. And I don't think enough coaches and young coaches, uh, especially stand behind what they believe. They're so easily swayed because they haven't again been battle tested, but they don't know why they failed. Yeah. And by the way, guys, we just, we just showed a sliver of that presentation. There's like eight or nine slides that we didn't even get into because we only got so much time. Uh, guys, if you want to see uh, more people uh, fail and learn from their mistakes, you can check me out at www.michaelmagidcomedy.com for all my tour dates. We'll be in Wisconsin October 21st to the 24th. Shout out to the one and only Stan Anderson for making that happen. Uh, that's all the time on Inside the 18, guys, and we are out. Later, guys. Hey, everyone, it's Michael. Before we move on to our next segment, want to remind you all to rate and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Literally takes 10 seconds and immediately makes you eligible for prizes. If you don't have an iPhone, borrow a friend's iPhone. It's just that easy. Thanks for all the support, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Magid, live from Hollywood, California. With me is whatever she wants to call herself now, Saskia Weber. She's a, an oh. owner, a goalkeeper coach. She, she's everything. She's she's big time in, in all, all different respects. But you know her as the 99 World Cup winner. Uh, no Omar Zini right now. Um, he's uh, out out educating the youngsters, uh, as, we all, uh, as we all are enjoying doing. Uh, but instead... We are joined with somebody who knows more goalkeepers in the world than I honestly think anybody in the world. Uh, you know him as Everybody Soccer or Let's All Soccer on Twitter. The one and only analyst, Bill Reno, is joining us on Inside the 18. What is up, dude? Hey, I'm too much. Just happy to be here and talking about goalkeepers. So it's, uh, it's a lot of times I start talking about goalkeepers to someone and they're just like, I don't care. I don't want to hear about it. So yeah, I'm they just to... zone out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, I got the right people here. <laughs> There's nothing there's nothing more fun than when you start talking to somebody about goalkeeping and like you recognize like within like a minute or so that they don't know what you're like they literally and they're soccer people it's yeah. not like you're talking to like, oh, you know, but like they a random person but they sure yeah. have an opinion when a goalkeeper messes up. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> then they're an expert. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even, even on the air, even on the air, it's like, it's like, oh, well, you should have done better there. I'm like, oh, have you been in that situation before? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. yeah. Although I, I, I had to throw it back to Michelle Akers because she didn't do that. 
She just told us. She just told us how she always beats a goalkeeper. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love whenever it was that first. It was that opening game for the MLS tournament. Whenever Tyler Miller gave up that goal on that front post, and I saw something about he should be dropped from like the national team pool. I was like, wow, one one mistake and you're out. That's it. So absolutely. That's that's all it takes. Yeah. You know, forget that. Forget the ten shots that were off off frame and all that stuff. That's not a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, let's, uh, I mean, well, I mean, honestly, let's, uh, we'll, we're definitely going to talk about Tyler Miller earlier because uh, Saskia, you know, yesterday was just, on, honestly, she was, I almost feel like she was like, she was like, ah, look, he must have listened to my last episode. And like, you know, it's redemption time for Tyler. Miller. No, no, actually, yeah, yeah. actually, I think halfway through the PK shootout, he, he remembered why he saved the, the one in regulation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, what was the advice you gave him? What did you tell him? I didn't give him any advice. I just said, <laughs> I said react but he yeah. Franz Hook said the same thing yeah. he goes react why do you react because you're forcing them to kick a perfect pk yeah. and yeah. if not you know and it's 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 very evident in this shootout my argument yeah yeah that's fair well it's funny I feel like penalty strategy is kind of cyclical and that you know it's you get a point where keepers are diving and then now you had shooters thinking okay they're diving early and then now we're kind of back to keepers reacting so it's kind of both sides are trying to get this advantage on the other. And so yeah. it's kind of an odd game, but yeah. Yeah. No. Um, speaking, speaking of uh, advantages that keepers have on each other, I want to talk about the keeper wars game because that's going on right now. We still have a few more days guys. So remember contacted inside the 18 number 18 media.com or at goalkeeper podcast, send your votes in currently uh, the number one goalkeeper that you all know and love Jordan Angeli is in the lead. Uh, so team Jordan right now is absolutely, is absolutely, uh, crushing it. Uh, maybe it has something to do with the fact that she's an MLS analyst. I don't know. I have something, something to do with that fact. I think she's a little crushed today though. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't even, oh, I, I can't even, I can't even All imagine. Right, Jordan, I felt bad for you. Yeah. We were all rooting for the crew, weren't we? We were, they deserved to win until yeah, the we PKs. Oh man. Um, Speaking of uh, speaking of deserving to win, um, a lot of the goalkeepers that you know uh, Bill uh, ranks all the time are always deserving to win. Um, they're absolutely high level goalkeepers. You do such a fantastic job of ranking the goalkeepers, doing proper analysis. And today we kind of want to talk about you know doing evaluations of goalkeepers because a lot of coaches right now are getting into their preseasons and they're looking ready to get to do evals to see kind of what they're working with going into their into their college season. So I thought, what better person to have on than yourself to discuss that so before we kind of get into that bill why don't you kind of you know just explain what everybody soccer is and how you got into becoming an analyst um well first of all i i will say i think at some point on the set before the the stream you said i was a top class analyst i would not say that about myself i just love goalkeeping love writing about it so um but with that um yeah i i got to a point where I'm sure y'all y'all were at this point at one point or another, but uh, the feedback from commentary and goalkeepers was one of two things. It was they should have done better, or there was nothing they could do about it. And I just thought that kind of binary option was was pretty limited. So um, just started writing about it, and so I've done kind of everything from stats to interviews to history, uh, a little bit of satire, I guess. Um, and um, it's kind of meandered a little bit with the site, but basically with everything goalkeeping uh, I've just kind of dived into and uh, it's been fun. There hasn't really been a real track or an end goal for me. So it's just been kind of like, Hey, I want to write about goalkeeping. And if anyone wants to read it, then great. 
So. No, I love that because, you know, even with um, commentating, like even watching, whether it's the MLS or EPL, whatever, you know, you always have these panels and these experts and stuff. And rarely is there a goalkeeper on it. Yeah, yeah. And when there is, they don't really get to talk about the mistakes. Like, you know, it's like, okay, we have, we have field players on there. You know, they used to play here. They used to play there. So who cares? You know, they'll just say exactly what you said. Oh, yeah. you know, we shouldn't have let the ball up near post or something like that. But, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it. And it's, it'd be nice to spend more time educating the world when they're watching, even if it's like down to Champions League or something like that, like talk about it. You know, yeah, it, yeah. you know we're not just the other person on the field, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, and I think that's kind of one of the things like Matt Pastrowski was talking about that a couple of weeks ago on the show. And he was saying, you know, I think that there should be a goalkeeper analyst on every panel. Absolutely. And every football show, there should be, hey, well, you know, let's go to, you know, Casey Keller right now. And then I know Casey does do analysis for ESPN. So but um, even if you watch that, you still find that they don't get to talk about it that much. Like they don't break it down. Like you find Tim Howard's breaking down like the play. Like he's not talking like they're not giving that time to, you know, what was wrong here. Not just goalkeeping wise, defensive wise, because we're pretty much all defensive experts on what you did wrong in front of me, you know, and even watching Karina LeBlanc covering the world cup, she didn't get to talk about it that much either. Yeah. You know, just a comment yeah. here and there. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't really know why I, I completely agree. I, the only thing I can really think of is that I don't think the position is maybe as, as sexy as people want it to be or maybe <laughs> as, you know, scoring a goal is just really exciting being kind of a buzzkill. That's, you know, stopping a goal. It's, I feel like sometimes you're just like, oh, it's, it's not even worth talking about. Let's just find something else. So I, I so so we're like the wet blankets, like yeah, at a party. Yeah, it's like, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, great save, but yeah. this and that yeah. and the other happen, and then there's no replay yeah. of it, and they Absolutely. pan away to something else. Yeah. yeah, everyone's like, oh, great! Everyone's having a good time at the party, and then all of a sudden the goalkeeper. Ah, oh, man, the goalkeeper's here. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of feels like that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Just brings all the air out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah. the air out of the room. Um, well, uh, let's let's talk. Let's talk about evaluation here, uh, Bill. Um, can you kind of uh, you know, break down to some of the like maybe some of the parents out there who aren't familiar with what we're discussing right here because we have talked about analysis and we do analysis on this show. But what is the difference between evaluation of a goalkeeper and analysis of a goalkeeper in a game? Yeah, uh, boy, that is a, a real banger of a question there. I probably won't give a great answer because I've never honestly hadn't thought about that uh, ever in my life. <laughs> but I, uh, I guess part of it for me you know, evaluation seems more of like in the moment of like, did they accomplish the task? Well, analysis gets more into the the hows and whys of something. Um, and then I think with analysis, which I, I think this can kind of scare some people off because it can be kind of, you know, a, a big fi- figure to, I guess, confront. But with analysis, there seems to imply some sort of long-term production or planning. Evaluation, did they save it or not? You know, you can kind of look at it. But analysis is is asking a little bit heavier questions. At least that's that's what I'm, my mind comes to. But I, I don't yeah. know if you had a different take on that. I mean, look, I, I mean, personally, I think that, you know, I think you hit a really good nail on the head in regards to analysis is like, and I think as goalkeeper coaches, we need to do more analysis than just an evaluation of a, of a moment. Because I think, you know, and Matt, Matt brought this up uh, a couple of weeks ago when he was on the air with us, as he says, he wants the reason he writes the way he does is because he wants to know 
how the goalkeeper was thinking at that moment. And I know Saskia is huge, huge proponent proponent on this because it all comes down to what were you thinking in the moment that makes that, that determines your decision, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're asking me, uh, I think the word evaluation for me is more <clears throat> like you had brought up um, coming into preseason and stuff like that. Like, where are you? Where are you with dealing with everything um, on an over on a broad spectrum? Like, how are you? How are you handling the ball? How's your footwork? How's how are you dealing with breakaways? How are you dealing with crosses? Like, evaluating each individual thing and analysis for me would be how how you're implementing them um, in the game. You know, are you taking that in? What, you know, how that, how all the things that I've evaluated, what you're strong at, what you're not strong at and stuff, how that's affecting you in the game. And, uh, you know. Yeah, so, I, on that point, I, and I guess combining those two things, one thing that just popped in my head is if you've ever seen a keeper who's like in a 1v1 because their defender messed up or something and now the, the cameras come and you can almost just read that body language from the keeper of that frustration like oh great like great now i have to deal with this and this shouldn't be happening and so now they're fighting that mental frustration but now mm -hmm. they're having to you know save the shot still and there's like this very it's just the the body language for me is always kind of interesting and that sort of stuff but i feel like that situation it really is yeah. really loud well you can always tell when the keeper was ahead one step ahead and that's what we tell keepers like you have to you know the reason you have a job is because people are messing up in front of you. Yeah, yeah, so like, and you can't, you can't, what do I always say? You have to be proactive and not reactive. So, yeah. you know, if you're going into that, you can tell the difference absolutely between a keeper expecting that breakdown and on top of it, top of it and dialed in, as opposed to the one that's kind of on their heels reacting like, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> I got to deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> and that's true. You can tell the difference. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I wanted you to say that in regards to like watching our own tape. I'm sure all, th you know, all three of us here, you know, when we've watched our own tape, we're like, oh, I can just tell based on my body language, based on how I'm behaving in this moment, what I was, what I was yeah. feeling in that moment, what happened in that moment. Even, even if you don't necessarily remember that moment specifically, like you can go back and it jars you back and go like, oh, that's because so-and-so yeah. did this and I had already gotten on them about that. And that's why I was kind of going in that direction there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is a really interesting thing because I think that's a variable that a lot of people don't play into evaluation is is kind of that mental state. So like, Bill, like when you're doing these like these 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 kind of evals and stuff, like what what are those other variables that you're looking at when you're evaluating these goalkeepers? Well, I'd say the big part is uh, recognizing first what the standard of whatever the level is. So whether it's college or a certain pro level, um, for whatever reason. It feels like, I'm not quite sure what it is, but it feels like a lot of goalkeepers don't know uh, goalkeepers better than them. <laughs> they they know like their peers or who they play, <laughs> whatever. But I, so I had this, I was working with the, this uh, girls club when I was in Dallas and these two sisters ended up going to the, the World Cup in France. And, uh, and, you know, I was thrilled for them. They were going out next summer. I was, you know, excited for them. And so we started talking about it and I asked them, hey, who's your favorite player? And they couldn't name one. And I was just like, why? Like, I mean, I guess I'm happy that you're going, but it seems odd that, you know, you, you can't name one player, um, you know, and that's just, that was just them, but it, it does seem like a lot of them can't identify what the level above them is, whether it's a division one college or whether it's MLS or whether it's champions league, you know, whatever it is. So I'd say identifying that's a big part of it and then finding, okay, what is the game asking from them? So, you know, you look at 
Division One versus you know, say on the women's side to the NWSL, there's a different game being played. Although it's it's minute, but it's it's a different game being played. But trying to identify of like what are the differences there and what's the difference between that and you know your rec league, you know U8 ball. You know what is there is a difference there, but it seems like a lot of people just kind of focus on what's on front of them, which makes that conversation kind of hard when I'm talking to a parent of like, oh, I think my kid can go play D1. And I look at him like, there's no chance. Like they're terrible. Yeah. How do I, how do I commit to, you know? So that's, that's been a big they made a save. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've played the position. They're probably good enough. No, and you're 100% right because they're not looking at why that why those other goalkeepers are where they are. What it is yeah. different in their game or more elite in their game as opposed to how you're playing and really sitting back and looking at yourself and yeah, you know, you got your parents and stuff like that going, yo, you played so great today. But you know, if you're going to put the video up and put it side by side by one of those elite players, you're going to realize technically, tactically what the breakdown was. And, and you know, and that that's what we're here for, but, um, but no, and, and players don't realize that they don't spend time analyzing that at all. Yeah. Let, let me ask you a question because I, I think that's a really interesting point. And I'm always curious about basically anyone who played before like the internet was really relevant. But did you, when you were coming up, Saskia, did you know who better goalkeepers were than you? Or was it was it hard to really identify like who the top goalkeepers were, whether either before college or in college? Like, were you aware of who the best goalkeepers were? Well, I was. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, besides kidding, you, besides you. Um, no, I mean, I knew, I knew other peers, and I knew their strengths and weaknesses. And but I also knew, you know, Kim Wyatt, and I knew the um, uh, Kim Maslin, and um, you know, Mary Harvey, and I knew those guys most of all from being camp, like going into national team camp with them. But I also knew why they were ahead of me and their strengths and how they managed the game and communicated and how they were. At, you know, at that time, a step ahead of me and where I needed to get to, to be where they were. And that was made, that was very obvious to me. But I think also in that time, you had to, you had to experience it in a sense, you know, I, no, there wasn't the internet. I wasn't sitting here watching videos of, you know, yeah. people up there, you know, that people are like, what? Um, so it was more of like on the field experience and 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 also being humble enough to see it to be honest with you and and accepting it and realizing what i had to do to to achieve what i wanted to yeah no i said that's fascinating to me because even at that point i mean just what you're saying there like even you then recognize okay there's you know xyz these people at these things that are better Mm -hmm. at me and even we're 20 years down the road now 25 years down the road now where there's just no excuse for it on my end of not knowing where you, where you are in that, that totem pole. It feels like it's right. all the more obvious of like, Hey, you know what? This is actually my level. And that's fine. You know, if this is your level, like nothing wrong with it, but let's not act like, you know, you're, you're the best goalkeeper in the, in the world just because your you know, mom or dad told you. Yeah. But I also think that there's a, there's a fundamental difference between watching yourself in training and seeing yourself as a training keeper. Like you can put up all the clips you want of you, like, you know, stopping a breakaway perfectly or, sure, you know, coming yeah. out for a cross perfectly and stuff like that. But do you put that into the game and how do yeah. you, how do you manage your game? And 90% of it is communication distribution. And are you that person and that separates, you know, 
that that's that separates the levels you know you're saving those shots in your club game or your game because you're not managing your game properly you know so that's what i'm looking at i'm like great you're 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 a great shot stopper but did you know that that didn't even have to happen if you had organized your defense and had the right communication and your you know positioning's off and stuff and so they don't see that they just see oh my daughter or oh i made this great tip over or something and you're just like but it didn't have to be there. And it's yeah. the elite goalkeepers that realize how to stop, how to, how to prevent the situation from even happening. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. No, and even on that, sorry, Michael, keep cutting you off. No, 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 uh, go, keep going. But I, I, I feel like there's kind of at the baseline of that there's like a hunger towards the game that a, a goalkeeper, you know, those top goalkeepers have that they want to be in every facet of the game. They want to be involved when the ball's in the other half of the field. They, mm-hmm. they want to be involved of, uh, the distribution, the, the, the player management, the defending those counters, um, as opposed to just focusing on shots from top of the 18, you know, right. which it seems like most goalkeepers really like that, but all those other intangibles where you're basically preventing yourself from getting the ball at all, you know, of, of trying to direct traffic or whatever. Um, it's that sort of stuff that, you know, that's going to elevate those keepers a lot further up. So. Yeah. And they have to get that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, I think you guys brought up a really good point right here. Um, And that is in regards to evaluating a goalkeeper merely just on training performance and you kind of need those competitive matches, you know, so that's a difficult situation, Saskia. Like if you're a college coach, you know, hypothetically a college coach and you're going into your preseason, well, no, I know you are, but (laughs) I'm just saying, so no one no, reads anything into it. No, but I understand what yeah. you're saying. I understand yeah. what you're saying. So a good example would be, you know, in spring season, which lasted like a day, but in spring, <laughs> spring season, but watching the different way you're managing the situation, even in small side in front of you, great, Lauren, you're making some great saves and shot stopping, but it's you're having to keep doing this because your entire defense is backed up on top of you and there's too much space, even in the small sided, for those guys to get the shots off communication step your team up like that's what i'm looking at i know you can save the shots i don't i want to see how you're going to prevent the shots from happening you know and you're not just that's not your your job is to organize this and that is elite level and so any parent that's listening your kid great i'm glad your kid is saving a thousand shots but we don't want your kid to save a shot thousand shots i want him to save none right so organize your defense in a minute like lauren stepped the defense up and now the defense was pressuring higher and they couldn't get that space to take those shots and we were doing small sided now she wasn't that busy and that's great <laughs> that's yeah. great you know yeah. awesome yeah yeah, yeah. Well, on, a, on like a ground level, and I'm not sure how you go about this with your keeper, Saskia, but the I'm always really fascinated when I give a goalkeeper more responsibility, mm-hmm. whether directing those players or honestly, even if it's off the field of like, you know, asking them, hey, can you like, you know, do this? Can you set up this? Can you pick up those? Co-? Like even non-soccer stuff, like, do they have the mind where it's, oh, more responsibility? No big deal. Like, yeah, I, I see the solution. Let's go for it. Or are they at a spot where it's like, ah, this is my comfort zone and like all that other stuff, like just not going to do it. Um, I tell all my keepers that if you want to be number one, it's you're automatically in a captain position. Yeah. yeah. Whether you're wearing the band or not, because the amount of communication and organization that you have to do and at your natural, you have to be a leader. And that's not just in your comfort zone. That's, that's all over the field and off the field as well. Absolutely. 
Yeah. 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 You know, you guys are bringing up a really good point. And I never even thought about this before, which I absolutely love is that like, and Bill and Saskia, you guys are kind of saying that like those off the field moments can also help you in your evaluation of your goalkeepers, where kind of everyone stands, because it's going to, it's going to showcase to you who can handle what types of situations in a game from a, from a mindset standpoint, like uh, bill, you brought up the picking up the cones type of thing. Like I never even thought about that, but like that kid. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, you, but you, you want your team's respect. You want them to listen to you, right? Yeah, so yeah. if you're leading, if you're a leader on and off the field, if they respect you, if you're, you're leading by example, if you're that person, not just when, you know, the poop hits the fan and stuff, but in, in all facets, they're going to listen to you. They're going to listen to you when you have something to say on the field and everything. And that's what you need. Yeah. Yeah. I man, it, it grinds my gears whenever, a keeper gets scored on whether it's in training or in game. And it's very clear that they didn't give like a physical effort to it because not only do we not know, Hey, could you have saved that? Like, we don't know. You just watch the ball, but also you can watch everyone else on the field, look at that keeper and think, Hey, you didn't really try on that one. <laughs> and so <laughs> I feel like the team is constantly looking at that. I mean, if you're wearing a completely different, you know, color shirt, you know, you're in a very different, you're, you're kind of isolated in a lot more than one way everyone's looking at you can you handle that kind of attention that responsibility or is that something that like when things kind of get when that poop hits the fan is it going to get a little tough and are you going to crumble or are you going to be able to kind of take right. that and your you know have your team follow you on that yeah we talked about this the other week not to bring it up again like, <laughs> because i got yelled at for not being goalkeeper union but we talked about it not yelled at you know, about like De Gea's body language yeah you got that but that was from a manchester united fan too. that's true so De- manchester city yeah. So, yeah. so, but the body language, like, like, I think everybody could see his body language in those, in those, the, that yeah. one game and stuff. And so, you know, and I said, I don't, you know, if you're going to let up a goal, let it up, but give me a hundred percent of the effort. And then the team yeah. will see that you gave a hundred percent of the effort and nobody's going to give you shit about it. You know, they're going to be like, the effort was there. It, it went in. Okay. Let's, let's walk it off. As opposed to lackluster, oh my, you know, not in yeah. the game, not mindset. And then looking at them going, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, and, you know? and, think, and think how much that, that seeps through. Because, like, and there's been stuff coming out recently from Romero, the, the backup keeper. But now he sees the head performing for. He's got terrible body language. How is that going to make the backup feel like he feels like, you know, like I deserve a chance. But now he's not getting one. And so. It, it just kind of radiates out of yeah yeah we talked about that like yeah, yeah, you know, yeah time to make it time to make a decision there like yeah. you know so so let, let's talk about this right now bill like what kind of statistics should a goalkeeper coach actually look at when they're when they're doing their evaluations because we're talking about you know obviously Saskia's bringing up you know you you don't want a lot of shots shots in a game that 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 signifies something whether that's an, an issue with the goalkeeper's organization or with it with the team in itself the, but it's like the defense how they're playing yeah. it's it's a sure. whole team yeah. issue yeah sure. so what yeah. stats actually matter yeah well um I almost want to say none um, I agree I, uh, yeah I I will say um, where the stats are right now are getting better as far as goalkeeper specific. You'll see a lot of expected goals or situation, and that's getting more and more refined. There's still a lot of things that take into account how difficult a goal was, you know, the speed of the shot, the bend of it, are they screen? I mean, there's a million things, right? So that that's slowly getting gained on and, and you know, something I, I dabble in a little bit. And I, you know, I, I've 
try to work on some stuff of like, how do I find stats that are relevant? Um, but as far as like from a coaching perspective, um, I think the probably the number one thing is, first of all, not tying, I always hate this, when they tie like a goalkeeper's uh, goals against average with like their performance, because it's a team stat. Like you don't do that in basketball, of like, oh, the center is responsible for 93 points to get like, that's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, but understanding, okay, what kind of shots and what kind of chances are we conceding? You know, if you're, especially if you're in a conference that they're just going to, you know, drill in crosses after crosses, then yeah, you're going to want a keeper who can have good cross management. Inversely, if they don't do that, then, you know, you, you can kind of give a little bit on that. So understanding it from like a team perspective, like where, where are our weaknesses? How is our goalkeeper going to be challenged? Okay. You know, from those numbers, you know, and tracking that, then you kind of have to go to more of like expertise and eye tests of like, okay, does this person do the job? Because, you know, you can talk about building out of the back all you want, but if your team is just bleeding goals from, mm -hmm. I don't know, any sort of situation, then, you know, you're probably going to want to focus more on that than, you know, connecting with your, with your back four. So, so yeah, so I, mean, I think of, I think of goals against like, like you go back to like, you know, how do I explain this without? Okay. So like, if you take my Rutgers career, like back then, like, you know, it was, everything went like, oh man, all that stuff was based goals again. So you had like, you know, the UNC keepers that have like a zero point some zero, whatever yeah. goals against average. And then you had me who had a zero point something zero goals against average. They are saving 12 shots the entire season and I'm saving 12 shots a game. So if you're going to look at that, yeah. then that, you know, you can't look at somebody and say, oh, you know, this goalkeeper is amazing. Not that they weren't. Tracy was a great goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> and so was Lori. I'm not taking anything away from them. But I'm just saying, like, if you're going to look at stats like that, it doesn't make sense. You can't, you can't base it on, oh, they have a 0 0.0 against average they must be amazing they're not doing they're not which is fine they're not doing anything i just told you it's good they're sure, not doing sure. anything because yeah. they have a good team in front of them um i hate shutouts i hate i hate people putting that on go oh how many yeah. shutouts oh you know so-and-so's had 12 shutouts like so you yeah. know okay so what you know or so-and-so has has been scored on every game but what were those goals like what was the situation and so yeah. I, like i think that's a stupid stat you know i think there, it's and I, and I hate saves because I don't know who counts saves or how they count saves, but they don't make sense to me in the never. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's the the Belgium game for Tim Howard, there's like one or two saves that aren't on target or aren't aren't on target, and they're just gonna go wide, and he ends up collecting them, or it's like a like they aren't shots on target. And I, I guess I'm slashing the goalkeeper union here myself, but I, okay. I just, some of that stuff I'm just like I. Why is, you know, why is like handling or why is punching out a cross to save? But see, let's see, now we're going to argue because, because I consider that safe. I consider yeah, you cleaning yeah. up a bad situation, um, whether you're holding it or not. And obviously a cross isn't on target, but technically that's a save. And sure. there's certain things that don't get counted as saves. I'm like, that's ridiculous. You know, do you know how hard yeah. that was to deal with and, and everything? So it shouldn't just, if you're going to count saves, which I think is stupid, um, it shouldn't just be a direct shot on goal. That shouldn't yeah. count as well, a save. I'll, I'll give you that. I think that highlights the problem with saves and that, yeah, okay. maybe you had this ridiculous punch that was going to land to someone wide open. And then the next time you can maybe punch it out and then it wasn't going to connect with it. Like a save, right. 
how difficult is it? It's just going to vary. Which yeah, that's why I said you shouldn't even. Yeah. Yeah. So well, you know, it's it's funny because personally, myself, when I'm evaluating a goalkeeper, I look at goal scoring opportunities and how how many can they prevent. Or, or how do they deal with a goal scoring opportunity? Yeah. You know, and flank service, in my opinion, is a goal scoring opportunity because any sort of service into the box leads to a goal scoring opportunity. Most of the and time, it's so how are and you they're not that? easy to deal with. You're having yeah. people, run, you're having people run at you. You have to put them out of your peripheral. You have to kind of just zone in on the ball. You have to take the right like line. You have to you know, hold, you know, there's so much that goes into dealing with that, that, you know, it's really important. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Know? You bring up a really good point here, Saskia, because in regards to evaluation of your goalkeeper, so let's say you're doing an evaluation division one, right? Pack 12 versus a, a, you know, um, a club team of U12 keepers. Well, the demands are going to be completely different for for those two levels. So you have to evaluate them based on the demands of what they're going to be facing in the game. Right. And they're not going to be set for facing that U 12 level, a lot of flank service, but the pack 12 level, they are going to be facing a lot of that. Right. So you take that more into consideration, Ab- right? How someone absolutely. can handle that. I mean, absolutely. You know, at a U 12 level, we're going to build up your ability that hand, like the team you're going against probably can't hit a good flank surface. So, so, but we're going to build that up in your training. Like I expect, yes, I expect the keepers to come in and be able to handle all that. You're the, you know, top team in their whole yeah. entire nation like that better be in your that better be in your wheelhouse right yeah. there and, and well, being and, able to handle those situations well i'm going back which i think nayer faces this with the women's national team but she doesn't face it as much as chicago but you can get into situations where again like you need someone appropriate for the spot can you have someone sit for 89 minutes and make a save while, you know, maybe with Chicago, she's going to get pelted every, you know, 10 minutes or so. So you need to think of, okay, are we trying to win games here? Like, you know, is it U12 ball and that we're just trying to develop people? Or are we trying to like get to the national tournament? Are we trying to make a run here? And then thinking, okay, well, if that's the case, what is the game actually asking of us? And right. not just thinking, oh, this one, you know, they dive really far, they kick really far, you know, it's, it can all get really irrelevant really but that's fast. a huge that's a huge point because it is depending on what, what you're asked for by your situation yeah. in your team like you know playing for the u.s team pretty much that your job was to come up with that one save yeah, or yeah. two saves especially in my time and trust me there were times i didn't and i was on yeah. the next trip it was like no yeah. saves and one goal against and i yeah, was home yeah. for the trip to you know bulgaria like or whatever you know so um and so you have to you know not all the time but you have to but i can remember the times absolutely and you have to um is that what the team's asking for or are you that keep that's under fire constantly that you know because they're constantly being worked the whole they're automatically in it or or you have to find that keeper that like hey you're not going to be doing much the entire game but in the 90th minute you're going to be asked are you are you mentally able to keep yourself involved in a game for 90 minutes without seeing anything and then come up with an, a, a massive save? And not yeah. everybody can do that. Yeah. Trust me. No, you, you mean you, you brought up a, just a, a really good point in that in regards to evaluation, because I can't tell you as a younger goalkeeper coach, how much my, how much I misevaluated, or I don't even know what, the, I'm not exactly sure what the saying is. Is it misevaluated, disevaluated? I don't know, but I, the wrong, wrong evaluation of the goalkeepers, yeah. because I was focusing on the wrong things. And I th- I think I want a lot of young goalkeeper coaches out there 
to listen to us because I see a lot of young goalkeeper coaches and they're so focused on the technical, the technical when they're evaluating their goalkeepers rather than actually how they handle game situations. I can't tell you how many times I misevaluated. I, I chose goalkeepers and I told the coaches, I'm like, oh, this is the goalkeepers because they were so technically clean at training. And then yeah. they didn't understand the game once they got yeah. to the level. Yeah. Once they, they And I've know. seen and I've seen kids like that. I have whether it's college ID camps or whatever. Um, I love that I've been in college this is really less than <laughs> um, but seeing somebody that in training with me I thought was man this kid's on point this kid's like no joke then go into then going with the field players into a game situation and it all falls apart yeah. and I'm like wow I'm like that's the difference between a practice keeper and a game keeper yeah. yeah. And I, I love what you said there right there because a lot of people out there including myself do a lot of private training and one of the biggest mistakes that I think a lot of private goalkeeper coaches make is they don't ask for game film of their goalkeepers. They don't watch game film of their goalkeepers and they just take what's going on there based on how they vouch. And I made that mistake when I was younger. You know, I, I'd vouch for keepers to colleges or to a club team or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, based on what I've been seeing at my training with them, never actually seeing them play in their game. So it's so important, right, Bill, that you make sure that you've got some sort of game history before you make a clear-cut evaluation of a goalkeeper yeah i you know I, I think a big part of you know, especially for younger goalkeepers is and this may sound kind of stupid to say it but of how scary the game can be because whenever they're being the ball's coming down on not only is the other team attacking but also their team is running at them so you've got 20 players running at you and can get really overwhelming really fast mm -hmm. and i think that you know of course goes back to the mental side of it all but you, you can have these training environments that they look clean, but if it's not, you know, sometimes you're going to be, you're stuck on numbers. So it's just one-on-one. -on -one, so I get it. But if, if your training environments aren't getting an emotional response or a mental challenge there, then, yeah. you know, you're seeing a very small fraction of it. So whether it's seeing game film, whether it's having uh, more numbers in training to kind of make that a little bit more game realistic, whether it's having scrimmages from, you know, working in practice where it's going to their game, something in there, you, you need to make sure you're seeing that the final product, not just thinking, Oh, I, I hit a volley. They caught it clean. Okay. Yeah. You know, and especially it. because of repetition, like, you know, when you're doing that and you're training keepers one-on-one, -on -one, like the repetition, it's going to lead into them doing it right. Um, yeah. But you're not getting the same ball every time in a game. And it is the decision-making. It is the mental part of it. And Mike and I have talked about that, about goalkeepers that I've trained that I've, I've then seen, not just in, not in a game situation, but in a, a shooting situation or in some sort of like, you know, a situation with more players on the field coming at them, a little more chaotic and realizing their deficiencies that don't shine through in one-on-one -on -one training or in just, you know, in goalkeeper training. Um, so I think it's imperative. You have to put them into that kind of a situation as much as possible. And I think that's one of the mistakes that I've seen a lot of clubs make when they're doing uh, evaluations, when they try out goalkeepers, bring in a youth keeper to try them out, is they have them go with the goalkeeper coach. Mm -hmm. And then they say, what do you think? Do you, should I take them? Should I not? I'm like, I haven't seen them in playing the game yet. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen him playing. I haven't seen him playing the game yet. He's like, well, yeah, but you know, we, you know, what did you think? Like, can he handle, can he shout as an yeah. athlete and yeah. stuff like that? And I'm like, I'm not going to give you now I'm old enough and mature enough to know. I'm not going to give you my endorsement yet on that. You got to take him to a scrimmage or something before or a small I'm going to or just get him into the mix. We've got to see like, 
okay, the kid can catch or, you know, okay, but is it, is it going to be there when it needs to be there? And, you know, depending on the age, obviously we can build on that on stuff. But if you're talking about kids, you know, kids are expected to jump in and really perform at an elite level immediately. Like, you know, you gotta know, are they gonna, are they gonna be able to sustain, you know, can they translate what they can do in training onto the field? Yeah. Yeah. Bill, I want to bring this up with you right here, because one thing that we haven't brought up yet with a lot of people are probably asking is like, why haven't they brought up physical attributes? Why haven't they brought up physical attributes with the evaluation? Because that's the first thing that a lot of coach, you know, you know, club coaches go is like they, they talk about their physical attributes. That's the, literally the first thing they come to um, rather than than how they handle the game in your rankings. Do you use physical attributes at all or is it all purely based on on game? Yeah, I the I don't want to say physical is absolutely nothing. Um, also, so I guess with physical, I, I guess that's person to person if you're including athleticism. Um, so I, it just varies there as far as what you want to call it. Um, but I, for me, if you're going to say, you know, goalkeeper for me has to be six foot tall, you know, or has to be, you know, a certain height, then you need to like critique every inch that they're off on their positioning you know if a a six foot three keeper is a yard off their line you know that's three feet that they've lost you know so i you know you you can no no to answer your question um but i that that is something that it feels like a lot of goalkeeper coaches struggle with is finding a keeper who can actually cover the goal effectively and you know we we work so much with eye test you know because that's what our job is um I think we can end up fooling ourselves a lot of times of, oh, well, you know, little Timmy here is, is shorter. You know, they're probably not going to cover as much of the goal. But then we, we think, oh, a taller goalkeeper will. But if they can't move and their feet are stuck in mud all the time, then, you know, they're only going to cover so much. So it, you have to kind of give some grace there and try to not try to check your biases as much as you can, which, you know, we're all going to be guilty of. But, yeah, I, I think those – you know, smaller. I mean, even looking at MLS, there's a lot of smaller goalkeepers who did really well. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I mean, I, look, Thomas is all for Vancouver. He's not the biggest goalkeeper in yeah. the world. You know, yeah. um, the 21 year old who, who stepped in as the third string and, and did an incredible job on Sunday night, you know, so um, he looks 12, by the way, he looks when I found out he was <laughs> he 21, I, I was yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. maybe to me, he looks 12 years old, but like yeah, uh, yeah. he looked a lot younger than 21. I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> I will Tuska, tell I wanna, you this. I will tell you this. Oh my God, I, I'm sure I'm going to get blown up for this one. I yes. think there's a difference here between women and the women's game and the men's game. And I'm going to be honest with you. If, you. if you're considering a small goalkeeper for the men's game, like six foot or like five, nine, you can still cover a goal at that sure. size. The goal hasn't changed. The goal is still the same dimensions yeah. and everything like that. When you're talking about a bunch of, you know, on average six feet tall field players and a five, two goalkeeper, there's a difference. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a difference. And, and listen, and I look at it in the sense of how you're positioning and everything like that, but there are going to be some, like, I'll put it into that mix. If if you had a five, two goal men's goalkeeper competing against the Muggsy, Muggsy bogues of goalkeeping. There's going to be an, there's going to be an issue regardless there. And I think that I, so I think there is, I'm not saying as a goalkeeper coach, I don't cut people off. Absolutely not. I look at your positioning, how you handle it. Can you handle your height and your size in the box and, and everything like that can, you know, and some 
a lot of goalkeepers have it down. They understand their, what's, you know, their weaknesses. They understand how to handle it and stuff like that. But sometimes there's a massive size difference. And yeah. I think that, like I said, for a, like if you, a guy being five, nine or six feet to me, it's not that short. Like, yeah. it's not that short because I mean, I, it's not. No, I, I'm five, eight and a quarter. I can carry, I can, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to be a little bit arrogant here. I can cover the entire goal. I've got right. no issue covering the entire right. goal. Right. But if you were five, two, would you have yeah. ever gotten a look? Probably not. Okay. And I'm not yeah. saying, Hey, five, two goalkeepers, you're never going to get a look from me. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. And there are not that many five, two goalkeepers out there at, at you know, yeah. at seniors in high school or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, you better yeah. be Bugsy Bowl. So you better have yeah. some ups. You better have all your timing down and everything. Because at five two jumping up, remember if you're going up against a six foot forward, they're jumping too. So if you're five two and your arms are in there, that's still that's still you're still here, you know. And then we're also talking about your distance off your line on shots. And so on shots, you have to be closer to your line and stuff, which plays into how the defense has to play now. And everything, and so those are all things that have to be taken into consideration. Yeah. If I if I'm a smaller goalkeeper right now, you know, watching this podcast, listening to listening to this right yeah, now, everybody hates me right now. <laughs> no, in 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 the women's game, I would look at our friend Alina Alina Hayes. Um, she's mm -hmm. five foot four, and she understands her limitations, quote unquote, exactly. and she plays to her strengths. And, and she had you have to master it. I will tell any kid looking that's not going to grow that. You have got to master this weakness. Like you have to be so good at your timing coming for crosses, your positioning off your line on shots from outside of the box. Um, you have to have it down because. But but Alina, she she delays her movement so that she comes so she comes through and she can use her entire momentum. Yeah, and that's exactly. what I'm talking about. You have to have that down. You have to have it yeah. down. Well, I. I think ahead, you can ben. even, I mean, there's, you've got your extreme of your short goalkeepers, but I think you see it with your, your tall goalkeepers. And I hate that. I don't know if I can like call out a keeper here for what no, they're bad at, but I, I, okay. Make sure I'm clear. <laughs> um, but I feel like, you know, you get keepers like, you know, Casey Murphy, who she's got the length, but she's so slow with her feet, you know, and now it comes down to like, well, what are you asking of your goalkeeper? And we see now and he had to call out for Casey. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, when you're like, you're like, I don't know, I don't know if I can call out. That's the one. You're like, I don't know if I can. Now, to be fair to everybody out there who's listening and Casey, who actually watches the show, Bill does have you ranked as the six. Bill does have you ranked as one of the top goalkeepers under the age of 24 in the world. So, sure, you know. sure. Well, yeah, and she, and, and I, she yeah. Is. I so, but you have to kind of recognize your strengths and weaknesses and all that. You know, if you're shorter, you're taller. But I will tell you, but she can yeah. speed her feet up. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I hope so. Yeah. But and a short goal, and a short goalkeeper can fix fix their yeah yeah um fix their well, positioning. But I think it's I, easier and, to speed your feet up. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I and I I think for those shorter goalkeepers, that's really only going to become more relevant the higher up you get you know if you're five two on like a u15 team you've got a lot of grace with that if you're five two and you're trying to play for a pro team different situation yeah and i mean five two is an extreme i'm gonna be honest with you like i mean i don't know many five two goals. i don't know, you know one five two goals. yeah but i'm just i'm <laughs> trying to give an extreme no absolutely. you know and That's fair. That's fair. and i think that when i've i've looked <sighs> God. i think that when i've looked at when I've compared players that are trying to get to an elite level and there is a major size difference, 
I, when I'm looking at it for myself, I look at, I look at how they're handling their positioning yeah. and everything like that. Like I get your great shot stopper and everything. This has to be so on point, you know, yeah, yeah. but if you're equal in everything with like if your positioning is kind of off and you're equal with somebody that's like four inches taller than you and stuff and your speed and your shot stopping and your footwork and stuff like that, you know, you're kind of leaning, but your, your positioning's off and you're not handling that high shot well. And it is sneaking in on you from time to time over the bar, under the bar and stuff, you know, then you're going to kind of fall off the totem pole. A little bit there. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I got, I got a question for you guys here. Um, at what age, what age is it appropriate to start sharing your evaluations with goalkeepers? At what age can they handle, um, handle that type of type of environment, um, or um, for lack of better, constructive criticism, or that where they're, they're not going to take it literally and they're not going to take it as like this is the end all be end, ends all with with me. Um, does anybody have any thoughts on that? I think it's the way I think we do evals in club and stuff. Um, it's more of a sit down. We'll do, we'll do, um, we do them at the end of summer camps and stuff. Um, but it's, you know, with club, it's more of a sit down with the keepers and, and having a serious conversation with them. And um, I think as a keeper, guys, you, you got to be able to handle criticism. <laughs> it's like the worst position on the field. Yeah. If you, you can't handle criticism, get out of the goal. Yeah. Like, you know, you're the GOAT more than not GOAT, and I don't mean the greatest of all time. You're the GOAT more than you are the hero, or at least that's the way people see it. It's, it's, it's a very thankless position. You have to have a strong backbone, and so if you want to get better at it, you have to be able to deal with an evaluation. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the evaluation process how it goes is maybe with a more determining factor. If you're just telling them, Hey, you suck. You're terrible. At all this <laughs> like, you know, that's, I don't that's ever want to be evaluated yeah. by you. <laughs> yeah. 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 But you know, if you're, I mean, y'all remember when, when you were growing up, they're like, you knew who was faster than you. You knew who was a better goalkeeper than you. I mean, it, what you knew who was better and worse that you had everything. Cause you're constantly checking your shoulder and everything. Right. So it's not really new information for them. Um, I guess the question for me is, are you having a conversation to empower them to make them better? Or are you having right. a conversation to like, give yourself a reason why you're not playing them or, you know, like, whatever it else is. So I, I mean, like you're saying, if, if you're keeping score of the game, for me, like, you're open for evaluation. If you're just kicking a ball around them, like, I won't say anything. But if there's a winner and a loser, then like, let's talk about it. Yeah. No, that, that's a that's a really good point. Um, Bill, I want to ask you before we go on to some of this MLS, uh, some MLS breakdown and, and get to see your expertise in, in action right here. Oof. See, uh, see where you disagree with Saskia. I would never want to do that. Just, um, on, just on the Rutgers goalkeepers. That's where we're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I, I want to ask you about your, I want to right, ask you I about your, out, I have to be able to take it. So. You have a very, you have a very in-depth evaluation breakdown system where you have you have all your different um factors that you go in can you kind of explain how you built that and and what kind of the tiers are um were you specifically referencing the last thing i put out with the uh, yes because i yeah. think that 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 i think you should sh i think a lot of people out there should check that out right there because that's a great format template for goalkeeper coaches to use for evaluations because i think you did it the right yeah. way thank you i appreciate that i was kind of it's something I've, I've flirted with for a while and I finally got to a comfortable spot with it. Uh, but for those that maybe aren't familiar, uh, basically I was really curious on identifying the top U24 goalkeepers on the women's side in the whole world, because I, 
I, I think a lot of things get really tunnel vision with American soccer of, oh, you know, this is the best goalkeeper in this, but we never really consider out. Um, and so building off that, I was like, well, how do we know? And so I, there's a million things you can look at. There's a lot of very intricate details um, that you can get into. For example, I don't put a ton of weight into penalty saving. Um, I think that's kind of more of like a, a stat driven thing. And you have help from a goalkeeper coach. Like you talked to a lot of goalkeepers. Um, the 2015 U20 goalkeeper or run with Zach Steffen in goal where he made all his penalty saves. Yeah. Like he's getting a sign from Russell Payne on the field, which way to dive. Like, so, and, and not that it's not completely out of the goalkeepers, but there's a lot of intricate stuff there that I think you can overload people with too much information. So I just try to identify, I think it's nine categories. Um, and I can't recall them off the top of my head, um, but I did about nine categories of, Hey, the, this is the standard for the level here. This is what ACC goalkeepers are asked, being asked of, or here's what a young goalkeeper playing in England's being asked of um, and try to identify that as much as, much as I can. And then also recognizing where the game is going. So um, it was kind of a fun project. I don't know if it, I mean, we'll see if I was accurate or not. I feel like I was, but I'll give it some time. Um, but yeah, just trying to identify where the game was and then say, okay, like, are they playing at an NWSL level or are they playing at like a D3 level essentially? Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I think you did a great job with that in regards to, and I think we can even share that template because you, you recognized it based on the demands of the game of the level that they're playing at and where they stand in that and how that ranks them in regards to all these other goalkeepers based on the levels that they're playing at too. And, and I honestly love that because I think that's the way we should do things with, with our young goalkeepers and saying, okay, you want to be a division one goalkeeper. This is the standard of a division one goalkeeper. These are the things, this is a division one goalkeeper. Look at these things. These are the things that they're great at based on the demands that they're expected of the demands for your game is this. And are your, can you play at that level based on, based on where your, your eval is right now? Or what do you still need to work on in order to be able to meet the demands and the standards of this level right here? And I just think that's just so important. It's so, so, so important for, um, for, for young goalkeepers to see that. Um, you guys, uh, you guys want to get in some of these games, these games right here? Yeah. Do it? Let's do All it. Right. Let's do it. All right. Okay. So uh, what I want to go to right now is uh, I want to go first off, um, shout out to every team that honestly made it to the, it's, this is, this is a tough tournament, honestly. I mean, it's not, it's brutal out there. It's 84% humidity. I mean, it's, 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 you know, they're playing some games at one in the morning. I mean, it is insane out there. I, I, so have it, y'all noticed, have y'all noticed how sweaty they get by like the 20th minute? By like the 20th it? second. Yeah. Oh, man, it's just, they're soaked. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, I noticed yeah. that I mean, too. I mean, it has been absolutely crazy. So I want to do, first off, I want to do the, the Columbus, Minnesota game here because this this was a wild game and a lot of people have been giving flack to Andrew Tarbell. Obviously, he's not the starting keeper. Eloy Room is the starting goalkeeper. Um, I don't like you that, know. that okay. answer. What do you mean? Okay. Obviously, he's not the starting keeper. He's the second keeper on an MLS team. Okay. So okay. your job is to be able to come in off the bench when you're needed. But I was just about to say something positive about him. So okay. I was say, okay. So I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. so even though he's not currently in the depth chart, the starting goalkeeper. I thought he did a pretty good job in the game here. Um, I want to bring up this play. Basically what happened here is Ethan Finley. Um, it's a header from the right side of the six yard box um, on a cross here in the 54th minute. So I'm going to share the screen with everyone right here. Let me pull this up here. Uh, 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 all right. I, 
I do like how Saskia will kind of meander like defending or attacking the goalkeeper <laughs> union. Like there, she's like, no. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm on the kind. I'm like, I'm like. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. I got to okay. be honest. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's fair. That's what we want. Nope. Sure, All right. Plenty okay. of people attacked me. <laughs> we just okay, didn't so have here, the internet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, true. Whoops. All right. Let me. Uh, okay. So here we go. That was just after this is this is the first just the first Ethan Finley shot actually on Tarble right there. Sure. Good good shape right there. Keeps his body behind the ball. Yada yada. Oh, but now yeah. what I want to show is the cross after this. Um, got nice and low with a little skip on that ball right there. Okay. So here comes the cross coming in right here. So here, notice that cross there. Little touch. You see that right there? That's just a little deflection of the ball that redirects the ball into a good space right there. So we're gonna watch that replay again here. And this is just the Wi-Fi, unfortunately. But look, just a little touch right there. Um, Saskia, any thoughts on that? Not really. Not really? No, I thoughts? just, no, I just. Okay. I, <laughs> feel, no, it feels like no. you want to say something. I don't, I don't know. No? I, I just wish I could see that regular speed again, even though I watched this whole game. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, that's why I'm kind of like, um, no, I mean, you got to touch on the ball. Like I'll put it that way. It, a little touch can throw everybody else off all the other runners coming in off. I want to, yeah. I want to try to see it again in real time to see if I can remember all if right. I thought he could have done more on the shot. But don't worry okay. About. Well, let's see if, let's see if we can, let's see if we can see it in real time again. Here we go. Uh, uh, I mean, I know on. I had an opinion on the goal. <laughs> so. Boom. That was real time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Bill, any thoughts? Uh, I think he can hold the shot that comes before the corner. That's probably my bigger issue. Oh, yeah. My big, <laughs> Your uh, bigger issue. He can, he can prevent the whole corner from happening in the first place. Um, but, you know, he, the, it's never always going to be perfect. It's never always going to be pretty. I get it. But, you know, he, he does what the game's asked of him. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So we're going to go down. We're going to go now into the – let me stop this share right here. Um, I want to go into the PK, all right? The the Tyler Miller situation with the penalty kick right here. Um, let me get back to. Gosh, I have I'll to... say this on the first goal against him. I thought he was moving on yeah. the one that dropped into the box. I thought that had he set and not try to get all the way over to the near post, he would have had a better chance to save that ball that would have gone straight over his head into like here. He was still moving. Yeah. He was low. If you see his positioning, like when he looks, he takes a quick shuffle step and then he tries to get further over. I think that had he kind of stayed in position for that first, for the goal against him, I think he, he would have, I could have saved the ball. Yeah. I thought he was still I, moving on the ball. I, I think a lot of goalkeepers get really enamored with finding a very specific spot to get to. Exactly. And they get really out of rhythm with the game and they, they lose that time because they're still moving. I mean, and Tony used to always say, you know, it's better to be set, you know, setting yeah. out of position and moving. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that was a good example of it. Okay, so here's the Zardes play that everybody's been, you know, raving about Tyler. I thought it was a great PK save. Um, you know, personally, I like the fact, and Saski, she was talking about this too, is that he holds long enough so that he's not guessing one direction or the other, but he's shifting based on the movement of the player already. He also so, holds long enough so that, Zardis isn't he's not looking at his movement like he's like okay he didn't move now I just gotta yeah. strike it you see what I'm saying where a lot of field players are like oh he's leaning he's going and they have the ability 
to change what they're going to do. And he doesn't do that. It forces him. And it's actually a really bad PK, technically. But, you know, because he holds, he can make the save. It's got pace behind it. No, but, but look at this. Look at he as he's going into the strike, he's still on his line. Exactly. Yeah. And so Zardis, he's like, damn, he didn't pick a side. Yeah. He didn't go. So. Which may have threw him off that from a mental Absolutely. standpoint that might have thrown him off, and then because of that, he hits it high. Right, which that, exactly that, where a keeper wants it. Mm -hmm. In that bubble, and then he just got unfortunate here, uh, where you know the ball just happened to bounce there. I I thought he did the best he could in that. Yeah, situation. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, you should have Chanel. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, you should have parried the ball wide to the top of the 18. I mean, you're talking about a ball that's 12, 12 yards away at that pace. He got a hand to it, period. Um, unfortunately, the rebound went right back to him and it went into the goal. I thought it was a good, I thought it was a good save. Yeah. Um, Bill, any, I mean, anything you want to add to that? Um, I may be a little more critical on that. And then I think if he goes to two hands, he can control that rebound a little bit more. Maybe it still ends up back at Zardes and it's hit with power. I get it, but. I mean, that's like low palm that it's hitting there, which is yeah. two you know, hands to every ball. If it's Good in point. that, if it was fingertips different for me, but if it's there, I think you can push that a little bit more. That's really critical. But I, for me, I, I, I feel like this, the critiques on MLS goalkeepers is not enough. So I'm kind of always pushing that line a little bit. No, two hands much. to every ball. It's a, it's <laughs> yeah. a great point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, I, th I think you you guys brought up a good point here. I want to bring up this. This is the shot, um, Zellerian, uh at the end of the game. This is what we're talking about about coming up with that big moment, you know, right before uh, right before PKs. Which I mean, th this could have ended everything right here. So hold on, let me just pull this up real quick for everybody, so everyone everyone can see it. Da, 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 da. And is that playing? All right, cool. All right. So here we go. 90 second. Look at the, look at the time right here. This is what we're talking about right here. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the buildup, the development, obstructed view comes across, gets big, it covers it, but no, watch that. He still contains this ball, even though he spills it. Mm -hmm. So he plays it into a space where you see how he still can pocket at that ball, yeah. even though he didn't get a whole clean hold to that ball, you know, Saskia, this is what you were talking about, like, you know, and, and, and Bill about like coming up with that big moment, you know, exactly, right at the end exactly. of the game. Yeah. You have to be focused. Um, period. Like, you know, this is a third, what, 92nd minute, you know, and yeah. although I think Michelle, if she was on, said that, um, what's his name, should have gone far post. But um, <laughs> I mean, if we're going to be, if we're going to be critical, like yeah, the whole, yeah. the whole far post was wide open. And at that distance, yeah. it would have just been tucked away. Um, yeah. But through traffic and everything to come up and still corral the ball and, and make that save, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Bill, Bill, any, any anything, any any more hypercritical I, moments you want to call it? Cover? <laughs> to, I mean, I, I could get more critical, but I'm yeah, feeling yeah, bad. I, I'm feeling bad about the goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> I he, see that one, like I give a little bit more grace on the hands on one because he is shielded for a little bit of that path on that ball there. I guess when I see plays like that, I'm always kind of curious like how good Tyler Miller thinks he actually is. Cause I, I wonder if he thinks, Hey, I'm just another MLS goalkeeper. Or if he thinks, Hey, you know what? Like I honestly could get it, like go above this league. Cause I feel like he'll do stuff like that where it's like, that's not a bad state. Like, Hey, like that's, that's showing something there. Right. But I am always kind of curious of like, where is this guy's career going? Where is this track going? Is he going to end up in MLS or is he going to be able to, to pop up a little bit higher up? Um, but that's, you know, it's good saving, you know, late in the game too at that. So I'll give it to him.
Yeah. Um, so, uh, so before we go, guys, um, does anybody here have any advice? Oh, we weren't going to see the PK. <laughs> oh, do you want to see the PK? No, I don't want to see, see the PKs. I don't no, want to see no, the PKs no. again. Okay. No. Okay. All I have to say is they were, they were okay, so done well. Th this I is just, what I'm going to say about the PKs is Andrew Tarbell went wrong. Right. He went right. Time. He went right. Every single, what, every shot except for one. Yeah. And he went early. And they just kept tucking it in, tucking it in, tucking it in. And Tyler was doing the same thing. He was out of sync, in my opinion, on his first three shots or first two. Because that's when I text you and I'm just like, oh, yeah. my God, this is a debacle. I go, they all keep guessing. And then he and then and then actually he I think he kind of calmed himself, in my opinion, thought about how he made the first save. He said, let me wait longer. And he made the second save. Yeah. Yeah. He made, and, that, and, he made his second PK And I think that right there shows coaching yourself in the moment, which I, I, I'm trying to develop in young goalkeepers all the time is like learning how to coach yourself based on situations that you're seeing. If something's not working, analyze that in your head right now and go, okay, what kind of adjustments can I make to make that, to make that thing? And, yeah. And your yeah. comment was honestly for terrible, like two of those shots went down center of the bowl Two, even the winning one. Like, and you are flying to the right leg, looking behind you, and they're going down yeah. the center of the goal. And I'm just like, if you held yourself a little longer, I swear to God, he could have made he could have made two of those saves in the PKs. Yeah. See, that sort of stuff I'm really curious from, like, a team perspective of what I, probably the head coach. Well, is the coach just saying, okay, he always goes to the right, go to the right. That, and that's why I'm wondering if, you know, if you start seeing this research of if guys are tucking shots away in those corners – they, well, then, I, I will give that to them. They were taking so some really nice PKs. I, I am curious of, of what the prep work was and what the instruction was before that, because I, I know that varies from <laughs> team to team as far as like using stats and using video and stuff. So I, I, it's, I think I'm kind of on the fence with that with PKs because at that level, they're doing their stats. They know you know where they're going. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? And so, and the way that some goalkeepers are reacting now to PKs is by like giving, the, going. And yeah. I think they're going so early and picking a side that even if the player was going to go to that side, they still have time to change their, their direction of the ball. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what you see. And I think, you know. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you brought up a really, really, really good point. Um, and the last thing I want to say, just in regards to the PK and to either one of you guys here, what about, I personally, I, I started doing this, you know, later on in my career when I, I kind of figured this out is that if I held and I started going, I would still drag across so that if a ball is hit down the middle and I'm still going one direction, I can still get some body on the ball. I guess it just depends on the pace. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think, and I, you're, eh, you're going to, yeah. you know, put your chips on one, one location or another. You're you, gonna know, go. you can hold either that mid a little bit longer or if you think, Hey, they're going to tuck this away. Then like, you do need to go early. Uh, yeah, I mean, with the pace and everything like that, if you think that you know, go. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I for me, I, I don't guess. So yeah. yeah, I will say I do remember one goalkeeper in, in 99 that went very early. <laughs> oh, my God, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, so, hey, somewhere. look, that's what the referees, that's what the refs <laughs> for, man. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we all know Bri went so early that so she could early. double, she could set twice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. but, um, again, you know, yeah. Yeah, gamesmanship, I mean, 
it was if, early. We all if, know. If, if you can get the, the outcome you want, then there's a whole nother, that was a whole nother le level of getting away. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> she oh, knows man. it though. You can yeah, she's it. been open about it. I'll, I'll give her that. She knows it. Yeah, I went early, yeah. but that's what the ref is for. That's standing right there. They didn't yeah. call it. It's not a problem. Yeah. yeah. I play the game based on the rules that are presented to me. Yeah, and, you absolutely. know, it's up to, it's up to them. Um, all right. We're, uh, before we go, Bill, um, <laughs> I, I, I honestly want, <laughs> I honestly wanted people to people to check out all this, um, all the content that you do. So, uh, where's the best place for people to to check out all the content, all the rankings uh, yeah, you're putting up, yeah. and what's what's your next piece that you got going on, by the way? Oh man! Uh, so, answer your first question. Uh, Everybody'soccer.com is my website. Um, the site kind of meanders as far as the focus. Um, I've had a difficult time trying to figure out their readership because I think it's a mix of players, parents, coaches, pundits. It, just random people walking by essentially um so but i th that's all where the content actually is um uh, on twitter it's let's all soccer uh, that's where i'm most active i don't really understand instagram it's kind of above my head don't really mess with it too much um and uh last question what's the next piece i've got i've been sitting on an interview with uh, janine sapara who played for the, the women's national team in the 80s um and we talked for two and a half hours and it was a, one of my favorite conversations I've ever had. She needs um, Oh yeah. She, it's her, her mind and just everything she had to say, loved it. Um, but it's just been kind of a mountain to, I'm dictating and writing, going back through it. So um, that's the next piece, I guess, of putting that out. I've been trying to do some more history and women's goalkeeping just because there is none. Uh, so that's been kind of a fun way to dive through. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, so yeah, uh, he didn't I, ask. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Well, I'm like, I mean, yeah, and you know, Saskia, the, the, what, you know, what is like the, what are the history and trends of women's goal? Like, it's all very, it doesn't blend a whole lot. You know, it's like, you've got these pockets and I think you can identify moments, but I think if you look at the men's game, it's like very flushed out and everyone knows all these highlights, but in the women's game, you know, like what is the greatest goalkeeping achievement before 99, you know, it's, it's just not publicized. So it's been, you know, I, there's always more people for me to talk to, I will admit. Um, but I've just been trying to flush it out a little bit more. It's okay. I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> I'm okay you. with myself. So, she's, yeah. she's, and by she's the way, Bri, I got to <laughs> say one more thing. Bri didn't guess one way or the other. She stole space forward and then reacted. She did, yeah. So she, she can't did. close the space, although be it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, a lot. Yeah. didn't pick one side or the other. She closed space and then reacted. Speaking yeah. of baggy I got you, Bri. I got you, Bri. <laughs> yeah, you got her back. Her back. <laughs> Speaking of baggy jerseys, those were those oh, yeah. were the, the, those, yeah, just, those were still those not were as bad in, still not as bad as ninety five. <laughs> ninety there, there's the puffy puffy jacket. It was like the yellow thick puff, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with the yeah. big old gloves. Yeah. How did people even move? How do people even move? Well, in there's a lot of space in between. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a very airy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just look at it when Mia put it on. Look how big it was on her. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that, <laughs> that is cool. That there's, is your, quite... there's your greatest U.S. goalkeeper. Yeah, team yeah, right yeah. There. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that is that is uh, one of the one of the best images ever. Um, well, uh, remember, guys, it's contact at inside the eighteen. That's the number eighteen media.com If you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion, um, shout out to uh, Stan Anderson. Uh, who's the one that recommended uh, from Camp Shutout right Camp here? Shutout. Who recommend 
recommended that we we get the wonderful Bill Reno on to talk about evaluations and his ranking system. So thank you, Stan Insider, uh, for for making that happen. So again, guys, guest suggestion, topic suggestion, reach out, and we will we will make it happen. Remember, remember to start following Saskia on Twitter at Saskia underscore Weber on Twitter. Do you have a Cam uh, shutout shirt on? I, I do. Are you asking me? Yeah. Do you, I do. Mike, yeah. too? I, yeah, I wonder. Like, I don't. Yeah, where you at? Uh, yeah. Oh, Stan, hold on. Stan, Stan I know you're you get some camp shut out. If you're <laughs> online right now, you got to get Saskia some camp shut yeah. some camp shut out here. Right so, there. Casey, you're the mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> And guys, like I said, look at look at look at uh, look at Bill's rankings. Casey's up there. Casey's I, up there. So, hey, so I got uh, it. Yeah, it's yeah. my alma mater. What do you want? Uh, oh my gosh, guys! Fair. All right, guys, that's all the time on Inside the Eighteen, and we are out later. Yeah. Yeah.